Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Best.com. Breaking sports news here on The Fan. It's time to add some spice to your nooner. Nooner. <laughs> Funny. This is the place where big-time guests, bold opinions, and little cute doggies come together. This, this is Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. So where's the office back at Division? In the office, baby. Going up. All right, here we go on a Friday, cruising into the weekend with you guys, Rothman and Ice, Anthony Rothman, Matty Ice Hayes, and CB. How we feeling, boys? March is here. It is here. It is here. And listen, man, it's a, it's not just a normal Friday. You know what time it is on the show. It's a freaky Friday. Who's it's a freaky, freaky Friday. Who's getting freaky? You know, me, you, CB, right. maybe everybody. I don't know. It's a freaky Friday. I hope everybody gets their freak on. At some point, like Everybody Missy Elliott told us, getting freaky. Oh, no, I need a little Missy Elliott. Get your freak on. I need that. But yeah, the weekend looks yeah. good, man. I uh, I'm excited. One of my favorite shows comes back tonight. BMF. You know the history of Big Meats. You know Big Meats from back in the day. And then I'm into this new show now on FX called Shogun. I don't know if you ever read the book. A couple of my friends read the yeah. book. This thing is incredible. Off to a hot start. Just two episodes in. So I'm fired up about that and. Obviously fired up That's about the sports amazing. weekend, man. How you feeling? Well, Shogun is it? Is it the Shogun that I grew up with? I, I'm not sure. Did you know there was a Shogun? I did not. I knew yeah. about the book. I didn't know no, that no, there, there was, was a, a series, series already. Okay, back it, in the eighties. Yeah, okay, the best. Yeah. You know, the best time. Uh, exactly. There's only one decade. But I'm telling ever. you what, man. I uh, I like I said, never read the book, but these okay. first two episodes that FX has put out there. Special, what special stuff? All right, so what's it about? So I can tell you whether it is the same. Lots of Japanese warriors going up against the Portuguese, uh-huh. and you know, battlegrounds and yeah. fighting for samurais and things. Yes, yes, okay. it's very graphic, and uh, it's just it's probably it's better well, than the miniseries back oh, in the eighties. Aesthetically, it's beautifully there, shot. I'm was there you. a shipwreck at all? There was. A ship that came ashore and a pirate. Off the coast pi- of Japan? And pirate got arrested. Okay. And yeah, yeah. He's being held, held hostage. Right. by the samurai warriors? Yes. So okay. this is the same. This it's is the same league. Yes. But okay. this is, I'm, oh, I'm telling you, A.O. All right. I didn't think I was going to like it. Oh, no. Listen, really 40 some odd years later, I hope they've made some <laughs> right, improvements. Right. Like, if it's the exact same thing, then there's something wrong. CB, I, uh, at some point, since I, we have labeled this a Freaky Friday, I need at least the instrumental for Missy Elliott, Get Your Freak On. You know, that, that'll that set the Does tone. he need to set it up for any lyrical well, problems? That's, that's why I said instrumental. Oh, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll, just right, yeah, the, right. I'll just take the instrumental at some point, CB. We'll get I don't that want this to be our last Freaky Friday. <laughs> All right, so I don't remember, by the way, how many episodes is this going to be? I believe 10. Oh, okay. I believe 10, All so... Right. Well, that means they doubled it because I think back in the day it was yeah. like five. Yeah, but it was a there was no Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was a real deal. It's on the television. This is on the television. It's on. Yeah, FX. but it's, it's 
Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, this is on FX. Okay, my bad. All right, good deal, man. Yeah, Let man. us know how it goes. Yeah, here we go. Okay, I like this. Get your freak on. Yeah. Yeah, this we don't good. need the lyrics for this, but this will, this will set the tone. You know. So all I think about, so what do you think about when you hear this song? The, the music video growing up as a kid with Missy Elliott and all the crazy stuff with her dancing and Timbaland popping around. Um, yeah, that's where my mind goes. Okay. You know where my mind goes? Probably a movie. To, to Leslie Mann driving Steve Carell home in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Okay. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about now. That Here, is, that's a good call. <laughs> that's a good call. Well, yeah, that's the Freaky Friday that's, anthem right there. Yeah, all right. That's where my, my mind went. Yeah, what we'll does you know, spin that coming back from a, a few breaks. Set the tone for all, you know, the couples and all that to get you ready for Friday night. All right, guess what happened? Uh, Buckeyes won another basketball there game. There we go. Um, they were at home. It was a tight game. They uh, grinded out. Jameson Battle, and I, I may... Tell me if I'm the only one who could read lips last night. Oh. So he was... He was oozing with confidence. It really was. This was a kid in a game, and I don't. If you were an athlete at any level, I've talked about this. You can remember the few times you were quote in the zone, locked in, and I don't care whether it's whatever sport it is. Now there's a there's a confidence that can come over somebody as even an amateur athlete that you remember, and I think that last night. It was a give-me-the-damn-ball kind of game for him. And you could tell at the end when things were tight and, you know, when it was a Gary, somebody who dunked over Akpara, which gave Nebraska a lot, life. a lot of life. I think it was Jawan Gary. Yeah, yep. so it was Gary. Yeah, good call. So, but he he obviously is a horrible free-throw shooter and, yeah. you know, but, you know, so when he goes to the rack, he's got to make a count. You know, he can't, he's got to get the end ones and mm-hmm. stuff. Battle wanted the ball so badly, and he went through this run, and he got him, you know, a little bit of breathing room at the end. And he turns to the crowd on the other end of the floor Mm. and mouths a phrase. And I feel as an amateur sleuth, I pretty much knew know what he said. Can you say it on the air right now? I can. I can edit it. Yeah, clean it up for for the kids. I believe he said. I'm not blanking going home. Mm, mm, mm. Or something the effect of I'm not going to let us go home. There was obviously, or I don't want to go home. But there was something, and they never went back to the replay long enough. I mean, I could go back in the DVR and get it. Yeah, yeah. I only saw it once. But the attitude and talent he brought to the table last night with Thornton out and getting the career high 32, which he did. But what stuck with me, First of all, I think he scored the first 11 of the game. That happened. All right, so he got off to a great start. 32 points, just feeling it. I mean, catch and shoot from deep, getting the mid-range and score. He was getting get out me the damn ball. Get me, get me out of the break. Yeah, Let me take man. it to the rack. It was a complete and game I for him. I think he dropped, at when they called that timeout, I think he dropped a, I'm not blanking going home. <laughs> I love it. I and, love and it. And now whether, what he asked, clearly he helped them win last night. This yeah. is, listen, this is back-to-back wins for the first time since the new year, I think. So this is a new feeling for this team. Ooh. And it they have this weird new lease on life that I've talked about, which they've now made work for them outside of dropping that game to Minnesota when we came back to reality. And then they get the buzzer beater, which obviously creates an immense amount of confidence. Listen, I have no real confidence 
that Jameson Battle is going to make sure Ohio State doesn't go blanking home. But I loved it, and I'm pretty sure he said it. I can't confirm it, but that's what I'm going with. When this coaching staff and Coach Holtman and his guys and the guys that are still there under Coach Diebler now went into the portal and got Jamison Battle, this was the vision. This was the vision. Is a guy that brought veteran experience, mm-hmm. could step up in the time of need. We knew he was a good shooter. I think for, at least for me, I wanted to see how well-rounded is his game outside of just the three-point line. And he was having fun yesterday, man. He was having a lot of fun, and rightfully so, because he probably woke up yesterday and knew the team needs me. The team needs me. He was tremendous from the field, even better from the free throw line. The dude didn't miss a single free throw. 10 of 10 from the line. So that was big time stuff from him. And I'm glad you highlighted the different ways he was scoring Mm -hmm. as well. And so when you zoom out from his tremendous performance, you look at a couple other guys. Like Roddy really stepped up with a big time double double, 16 and 10. And how about Royal? How about Royal and what he's been able to do? Devin Royal. Picktown guy, freshman comes in, nice recruit, and you're starting to see, to me at least, Coach Diebler and his guys, you know, they feel, I think, more confident in him. His minutes seem to be on the rise, game by game. But between Royal and Gale, both those guys, I think, did an awesome job really crashing the boards. You're talking 15 combined rebounds between the two of them, and that's what you need in these games. And I thought the defense did a good job of holding off Nebraska when they would close the gap. There's just really good things going on right now for this Buckeye basketball team. It ain't perfect. It never will be. But from where we were a month ago to where we are now with this team winning three or four against opponents that are close to that 20-game mark, they should feel good about what they're doing. But there's no question that Jamison Battle was the big-time story yesterday because he was in his bag. Yeah, listen, this is a kid who transferred in bad season, obviously, at Minnesota team-wise. Thought he could maybe catch a little lightning in a bottle. The chance to go pro was probably there, but not as good as it would have been because of the year that they had and he had. NIL certainly adds a lot for certain players. How much it's added for him, I don't know. But it, but it, I think there was a pulling for him. Like, hey, I, I'm allowed to stay in college because NIL exists, and maybe that'll soften the blow a little bit. We all know the, the big case in point is Zach Eady. Zach Eady's not staying in West Lafayette if NIL doesn't exist. He's just not. I mean, I don't know him, but I'm going to go 99%. He's not staying if NIL doesn't exist. For certain guys, I think I can say that with great conviction like I did. For guys like Jameson Battle, I think it was a toss-up. You know, does going did going back put him in a better position under the draft? And I can answer that even though Ohio State didn't have a great year, is yes. Games like this um, certainly should put him in a better spot. Um, so anyway, I'm happy for him. I don't know where this puts them as a team as far as, you know, Keeping their it keeps their hopes alive. I mean the the number one thing we all know. And this is getting into like all the the analytics, but I think they count because of the committee is the number of quad one wins you have and the number of quad three four losses you have mm-hmm. is kind of the recipe, and it's important when it comes to selection and seeding and all that. Ohio State is still a very big sub five hundred team when it comes to quad one wins, and the good news for them is they haven't been crushed in. Uh, quad three, quad four losses. I think the only one is Indiana, which is ironic um, because Indiana just beat Wisconsin. Um, here's what they have left. Michigan's a quad three, I think, and Rutgers is a quad two. Yeah, so I feel like, you know, 
it's not like they've got any massive teams ahead of them that will really boost them. They're going to have to make a run in the Big Ten tourney to try to nail down some kind of quad one to get them back to whatever they'd be like four and six or whatever they could be in quad one. And you and I have kind of been ahead of this in that I really want what I want the most is for this team to extend their season if they can. And it sounds like the player certainly took that as marching orders when, because I, I said this to you guys before the show, I honestly believe this. If they waited to fire Chris Holtman, this never happens. This doesn't happen. I don't think they, I just, I think that a lot of this was created based on pride, energy, rep, new lease on life, uh, Diebler's injection of what he's done. It it made everybody feel like, okay, Mm -hmm. this season is not what we want and it's not going to be what we want or what we thought it could be at the beginning of the year. But let's make sure that whatever ending we have we at least feel decent about. And I don't think that would have happened if they didn't fire Holtman. It's so funny how the end of this season is mirroring the end of mm-hmm. last year's season. It's so strange because the the middle of that schedule was, it was ugly. Let's be honest. It was ugly last season in the conference. And you could say the same about this year, but now here we are where something has clicked, whether it's the coaching change, whether it's the guys locking in more, maybe it's a combination of both those things. But you have to love what they've done. But they just have to stay focused for the next two games. And then as you laid out, handle business when we get to the Big Ten tournament, which I believe starts on March 13th. And that's going to be critical for them, I believe, when it comes to their NCAA tournament lives. They can't lose another game. There you go. Let's be honest. They can't. They got to run the table. I I lied. Could they lose one of these next two and then rip off all they need in the Big Ten tournament and get in? Yes. That would help. That's mathematically, they don't have to win every game. They just have to win every game in Indy. It's a lot of pressure. A lot. lot of pressure. It's It's Here's the thing. This this is the position they put themselves in. They're one of the hottest teams going right now in a weird way, even though they lost to Minnesota. Um, But anyway, they got a feeling going on, and hopefully they can continue feeling that way. Uh, Ryan Day spoke about... On the morning juice about the Chip Kelly effect and what he hopes this offense will be. You'll hear it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets hockey. The fan, Ohio sports. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Jen. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. Uh, one of the biggest acquisitions for Ohio State football this season, in my opinion, has come through a coaching fortune. And sometimes things happen for a reason for everybody. And the fact that Bill O'Brien, you know, the timing was right for him to use Ohio State as a revolving door. And then for Ryan Day to go and grab a guy he knows as well as anybody and get Chip Kelly to leave that post. And the timing must have been good for him, too. The fact that the history they have together and the fact that this feels like such an all-in year for Ryan Day, for him to be able to upgrade 
and this is nothing against Corey Dennis, but you're talking about a guy a few years in as a quarterback's coach, and then he was promoted, you know, certainly by Ryan Day a few years ago um, after being a quality control guy to Chip Kelly Mm. is to me as big of an acquisition as any school has had in this country. And I know he's a coach and not a player. And just the way I feel about it, I, I, I have to assume that Ryan Day feels the same way. Like Ryan Day, I mean, if this was, if, if the three of us had a fantasy team or something, and you just said, hey man, I just traded Corey Dennis for Chip Kelly. You fleece the guy. <laughs> like it's not, you'd almost question your league You'd be like, all right, how'd this get through? So what we do here is putting up the uh, commissioner veto on it. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. If, by the way, if there was a, a, a league vote, it never happens. You'd never oh, allow sure. it yeah, if you not. knew it had that effect. And I, I hope it has this effect. And I wish Corey is well in his journey to up the coaching ladder. But this was in an all-in type of year. Ryan Day, who knows, who I really believe has a pretty good handle on his team, where they are, what they need to accomplish. What do you do? You go to people, you find somebody that you've been in the battle with, that you that you can be honest with, mm-hmm. that you can trust, that you feel like has amazing credibility, and you kind of... Pour more chips into the middle, and no pun intended. That's what they got in Chip Kelly. Don't you think so? Well, let's hear from Coach Day. Let's hear his thoughts on the hiring of Chip Kelly as the OC. Very, um, you know, unique situation uh, for us to get back together like this. And um, you know, first off, like you said, I played for him. I've worked for him. He's been a good friend. Uh, But we and we've always stayed in touch. So, so he knows what Ohio State is. You know, he's not coming in blindly. But, but I think the thing that's been exciting so far is just sitting down as an offensive staff and, and talking through the things that he's done, the thing that we've done here the last, um, you know, six, seven, eight years, uh, the different quarterbacks that we've had, the challenges that we have, um, you know, the big teams and the big games that are coming ahead, you know, the, the change in the, the playoff system next year and how long that's going to be. It's going to be more like an NFL season. How does that all play into next year? And then just great schematic conversations. And, and that'll evolve. Um, you know, we really focus in the spring on, developing the individual player uh now the schemes have to get you know introduced and, and guys have to understand how they fit into the schemes but more importantly we want to get guys better fundamentally technically uh and then as we head into the this, this summer that's really where we start to bring in you know the schematics and the team of it all uh, but that being said so far it has been great conversation you know i think our offensive staff is, is excited to have you know a new voice in there a new perspective so um you know that's going to be you know exciting to wake up every morning and go to work knowing that, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, I think the offense will have a lot of similarities, but there'll be also a bunch of new things. That sound comes from our guys on the morning juice. They had Coach Day on uh, today. So, yeah, I think a lot of what you said, AR, excuse me, I absolutely agree with. And, you know, when the Chip Kelly hiring became official, a lot of people were already on board with what this run game could be. But when you add Chip Kelly to the talent of, 
you know, Dallin Hayden and Travion Henderson and Quinshawn Junkins, it seems like the sky is the limit if they're going to get consistent play from that offensive line because you go look at what Chip Kelly was cooking up as the Bruins head coach the last two seasons. I mean, this is a, a UCLA rushing attack that ranked, I mean, in the top two the last couple years in yards per game. I mean, they led the Pac-12 last year, buck ninety-seven, and then the year before that, they averaged two thirty-eight in the Pac-12 and had a couple running backs north of five yards per carry. So he already is going to have top-end talent. Meaning Chip Kelly, you just heard from Coach Day. There's going to be that adjustment to some of the things he wants to add, but they should be going into each game, week in and week out, knowing that we can throw people around and we've got running backs that can do different things and be physical and have speed and can bounce it outside and guys that can protect and pass pro and all of those things. That should be a great, great uh, building block for this year's offense to have. And that's even before you get to what should be an elite wide receiver room and a seasoned quarterback leading the charge. So I'm excited to see that. And when it comes to Chip and Ryan Day, I just think when you have that relationship, that coach-to-player relationship, coach-to-coach relationship, and just all the history that those guys have together, you're not going to be, I don't think, hearing too much about egos or those guys clashing and not being on the same page because of who they are as people and that connection that they already have. So, yeah, there's just so many positives, man, when you look at the hiring of Chip Kelly and especially when you put him in the specific role of being an O.C., well, he was looking for coordinator jobs because there's no way I can believe that a guy's going to walk away from a $6 million-plus job to be a coordinator if that's not what his desire was. Yeah. It's just, like you said, it's not like he was failing at UCLA. Um, you know, it's it's not like they were going to be a studly team. I mean, they were 8-5. and five. Um, They won a bowl game over Boise State. It's their first bowl win in eight, nine years or whatever it was. So all of a sudden, the Bruins were putting together these eight-win seasons, so they were competitive, Mm -hmm. and you wouldn't think that he would bolt for anything. But if the rumors were true that he was interviewing for coordinator positions in the NFL and most of them got filled, um, and all of a sudden spring practice comes around and you know they're moving to the Big Ten, which is the most ironic thing about it, is the head coach of that team that's moving into the conference leaves that team and that money to go be a coordinator Mm -hmm. for his former guy. Like, honestly, I don't even know if if you would have thrown this out there a year ago if I would have believed it. Like, it doesn't seem like it's even possible. The odds would be so astronomical. But, yeah, I mean, to have Ryan serve under him at New Hampshire and then Philly and San Francisco and how much they go back, then all of a sudden, okay. And I I like your point about the the egoless part about it, but I'll add this. I also think there's an opportunity for them to clash and it not to be a problem. Because of that history, they can, and handle, that, it, yep. they can handle it, and they and they know it's coming from the right spot, and they can also know it's coming with the ultimate shared goal in mind That's to be point. the best they can be. That's a That's good point. That's the other thing because the last thing you want is someone that you can't argue with. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point, and to add to what you said about their NFL experience with the expanded playoff, these guys know how to manage getting bodies through a season where there's fourteen, yeah. fifteen games, so those guys can rely on their history in the league too. I mean, probably couldn't have gotten you and I out of L.A. to come to Columbus, but they got him. Probably not. All right, we'll come back. And Stephen Means, who's the beat writer for football and hoops for Cleveland.com, will jump on. Ask him a little bit about this uh, linebacking crew and who's going to make the biggest leap this year. Rothman and Ice and the Fan. We're the girthiest radio station in the history of radio. Uncomfortably girthy. This promo is uncomfortable. The Fan, Ohio's girth destined. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Anthony's tennis shorts were so tight, they had to pixelate his crotch. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Hi, welcome back, Rothman and Ice. We'll effort Stephen Means here in moments. And apparently we get the thumbs up. He's our guy from Cleveland.com, Ohio State beat reporter, football and hoops. He's our guy, Stephen Affectionately known on this show, Natron Means. Good to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. I love when you call me that, man. Dude, he's a, he was he was a beast, man. One of my favorites. A great nickname. Um, I'm glad you've been open to it. Uh, let me ask you this. Um, you know, there's no holes on this Ohio State football team on paper. Now, there is some development and evolution that we need to see in the linebacker room, correct? Like, we still don't know whether... They've got the flexibility or the confidence to move Sonny down there. They could. I'll get your opinion on that. And then after that, just give me kind of your assessment right now of where you think this linebacker crew is and where you think they will get to. I think it is one of maybe four question marks about this team if I count it up in my head right now. And it's simply because, I mean, the two guys who have just played all the snaps – the last couple of years here are currently going through the NFL combine process, right? And so because of that, you've got Cody Simon, who you know a little bit about, who's played more than a thousand snaps in his career. But if you take the 374 snaps he played just last year, that's more than what uh, CJ Hicks, Gay Powers, Arvell Reese, uh, 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 everybody else in that room has played combined. So you just don't, no, and as J- James Lornides was saying last week, linebacker is not one of those positions where you can just get like knowledge in the classroom and just tell them to take it out on the field. You've got to actually go play the position. So I think this is just an important summer and spring for CJ, for Gabe, for I- Arvell, for Nigel Glover, for, I- I'm, to my knowledge, Peyton Pierce isn't participating this spring because he had an injury back in high school that he's still recovering from. But for Garrett Stover as well, those guys just need to go play football this spring so James Laurinaitis can see what he has. While also, of course, the other big question mark is where is Sonny Styles going to be at? I think Tuesday is going to be very interesting. I think we're all going to have our eyes on number six trying to figure out where he's at, with, whether he's with the safeties or with the linebackers, though. I think it might also just be the worst-kept secret in college football right now that Sonny Styles is going to be a linebacker with the way James Laurinaitis was selling him. But then also – you talk to guys up in Indianapolis about him. They're all like, yeah, I mean, this dude's 6'4", 230. I don't know. <laughs> that just screams linebacker to me. So I think it, it, it's only interesting because you there's brand-new guys, and it's guys who are promising, but it's not necessarily guys who have done literally anything in their career so far. So you mentioned the linebacking room being one of the questions that you have. What is the next question in line that ranks pretty high on that list for our guy Natron Means? Yeah, I think number one is quarterback, right? Just uh, Even if you think that this is Will Howard's job because you don't bring in a starting quarterback through the transfer portal unless you're eventually expecting him to start. You've got five guys in that room, one of which is Devin Brown, who's in year three, Lincoln Kinos in year two, 
and then two true freshman five-star recruits. And, well, with Air and Julian, it might just be let's put a pause in this conversation, and then we'll be right back here next March talking about, hey, who's going to win the battle between Julian Sand and Air Nolan to be Ohio State's next multi-year starting quarterback? But how is Ryan Day, how is Chip Kelly, how are they going to manage five guys in the room and distribute reps? And how do you do this in a way while also getting Will Howard prepared for the fact that this is probably going to be his job? It's just we they handle it and manage it at other positions, but at quarterback, it, it's a little bit different because only one of them can play. So I think just because of the nature of the position, it's probably number one even if the interest of who is actually going to be the starting back quarterback, excuse me, isn't necessarily the same. He's our friend, Stephen Means, Cleveland.com, covering those Buckeyes. So clearly they got a, a just a boatload of talent in that receiver room as usual. Is there somebody in that receiver room, Stephen, that you feel like will become the household name by the end of the season outside mm-hmm. of a Mecca that we already know? Yeah, I mean, I think the easy pick there is Jeremiah Smith because you already might be a household <laughs> name. But I think there's three candidates. I think it's clearly him as this guy who might be a generational prospect at a time when you just lost a generational player, Marvin Harrison Jr., to the NFL. But then also, I think Carnell Tate and Brandon Ennis, I think, are in very similar positions to where Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka were coming into the 2022 season, where in year one, simply because of who was in front of them, they didn't play. They could have played. They were talented enough to play. It's just when you've got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba in front of you, well, then, you know, it is what it is. You just kind of sit a year, and then in year two, you see it explode. You saw both of those guys turn into 1,000-yard receivers, and obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. got to repeat it while Megan Buka probably dealt with injuries that limited his ability to do that again, and maybe he wouldn't be here had he not suffered those injuries. Maybe he'd be going to the draft process as well. But we heard a lot of good things about Cornell Tate. Last year, Marvin Harrison Jr. went as far to say that he's where I was going into my sophomore year. That's where Cardinal Tate was going into my freshman year. And then I followed up like, you sure about that? He said, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Marvin Harrison's already thrown the gauntlet down for Cardinal Tate to be next in terms of these great wide receivers. And I think Brandon is going through his first full all-season, a former five-star recruiter on that path as well. But obviously, everybody's going to be wondering, hey, what's Jeremiah Smith doing? And is this, this a guy where – in a room where it's been kind of difficult for true freshmen to get on the field simply because it's first rounders all over the place. Can this guy be the outlier in that conversation? So as you know, last year when it comes to the passing attack, you know, Kate Stover was a big piece of that. Like, Talk about the tight end room this year. Do you think there's a chance that, you know, a guy or two can make a pretty significant impact? Or do you think we're going to go back to more of the vibe of the receivers are going to run the show more times than not when the ball's up in the air? I think that I wouldn't be shocked if we headed back towards that direction, partially because if you look at Chip Kelly and some of the plays he's called, especially during his time at Oregon, the wide receivers and running backs were the people getting the ball. While I think the tight end thing was a combination of Kate Stover obviously being very good. I mean, there are people who think he might be the best tight end prospect not named Brock Bowers, and I understand there's a gap between Brock Bowers and everybody else, but that's still saying something if you're the number two tight end taken off the board for a guy who began his career as a linebacker, which is crazy to think about. But I think opportunity and talent created that world where, because you got to remember, Jeremy Rucker didn't get the ball like this in 2021 because you had three first-round wide receivers. Kate Stover getting the ball like this in 2022 was you had a Mecca and you had Marvin Harrison Jr. as a healthy guys, but you got to remember Jackson Smith and Jigba gets hurt. So that takes out one first-rounder. And Julian Fleming is maybe a step below those guys while also dealing with some injuries. 
And so somebody had to be the third option, especially since Travion Henderson was also dealing with injuries. And then I think the similar thing played out this year where Marvin's Marvin, Ameka was dealing with injuries, and Kyle McCord maybe got more comfortable going to Cade Stover than he did going to Julian Fleming in 2023. I think this year, the talent, the wide receiver room is just, there's such a gap between that and the tight end room in terms of a receiving threat. Now blocking, I think Will Kazmarek brings a lot to the table coming from Ohio as a guy who I think back in 2021, when he went to Ohio, had things been normal, maybe he would have ended up at Ohio State anyway. And then now the question is, is Jelani Thurman ready to be the freak that we all think he might be at the tight end position, but we still might be another year away from that fully showing itself in a production standpoint. All right, our final minute with you here, because you kind of went through, there may only be four question marks on this team, so I think you went with uh, linebacker, quarterback. Um, let's guess. Um, I don't know, maybe your confidence in the offensive line, maybe you have to still see it. I don't know if that's one of them. And then could the other one be the special teams and and where they were and where they hope to be? What What was your third and fourth question marks? I mean, you hit it on the nail. With the offensive line, is Ohio State going to come out of the spring thinking that the options are in their room? Because that's not where they were last year. I I was in some of those practices. The defensive line was eating the offensive line for lunch literally every single day. And I think that can't happen. It needs to be a healthy back and forth between the offensive line and defensive. And I'm saying this understanding that this is probably one of the three best defensive lines in the country when you look at its talent and depth. But you can't be getting destroyed every single snap like that and then have people feel confident that the offensive line is going to show up when it's third and long against Michigan and you need a first down because we saw what happened last year. It broke down. It broke down again in the Cotton Bowl as well. So I think the left side might be pretty set with Joshua Simmons, Donovan Jackson, and I think you bring Seth McLaughlin to be your center. It's that right side with where's Josh Fryer? Is he a guard or a tackle while can Luke Montgomery and Tegra Shibola maybe make a move there. And so you've got three guys maybe fighting through two spots. While special teams is just, yeah, can you be normal? That's mm-hmm. all. I don't even think the bar is not can you be the best in the country. It's can you be normal, and who's going to be handling that right now? Is it going to be Ryan Day? Is it going to be a combination of different assistant coaches handling it? But whatever you decide to come up with, since you don't have a special teams coordinator, can you just be normal and not get in the way of this offense and this defense being what it's supposed to do so you can compete for a national championship? Nice. All right. Uh, five seconds. Maddie wants Caleb Downs to return punts. Is he going to? <laughs> no, listen, listen. Don't let him fool you. Don't let him fool you. My rule is, Stephen, I hate when the star players of teams that play a bunch of snaps do punt returns, especially at a program like Ohio State where there's so many talented guys top to bottom. So I'm out on that. But what if he wants to, Maddie? You're going to tell him no? no? I'm going to say you're going to stay over here on the okay. sideline and be an All-American safety on defense. All right, my I man. They just need somebody to go back there and catch the ball. There you go. All right. That's what we said. Normal. Just be normal. All right, <laughs> yeah. Stephen. Great job, man. Thanks for jumping on. Have a great weekend. Anytime, guys. Stephen Natron Means with us from Cleveland.com. He was on the Brian Heaton Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. We'll do overs and unders into the weekend next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Common Man has spent the past 18 years telling you how much he hates people. And yes, that probably means you, too. Common Man and T-Bone. Weekdays at 3. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. 
all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Pan. Rothman and Ice presents Overs and Unders. Sponsored by Buyer's Mazda. Buyer'sMazda.com. Come see why it's better to buy at Buyer's Mazda. All right, I feel like for Overs and Unders this weekend, CB and Maddie, because I was paying attention last weekend, and I believe I was wrong on the weather. It I, did go uh, slightly under. Slightly under. It just it changed Maddie. And I'm like, you know what? Even though it was a nice day on Sunday, we were never getting to 53 or whatever. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. What yeah. was the number? 52 and a half? I believe I put it at 52 and a half, and I yeah. think it came in around like 50 or 51. Yeah. All right. So I knew we were going to lose on that. How did that affect things? Yeah, so a pretty even week. Uh, obviously, we couldn't play the Donovan Mitchell against the 76ers game uh, line because he did not actually play in that game. So we only had five last week. OTB that's, off the board. That's right. So, AR, you went in the uh, remaining five. You went three and two. Matt, you okay. went two and three. Okay. All right. All right. Tonight, we will start off with a basketball game up in Chicago. It is Dayton facing Loyola Chicago. We'll do Dayton's total points at 68 and a half. I like Dayton. I they really haven't beaten anybody this year, so it worries me as far as taking them in the tournament. I do feel like when we do bet three six five later, I'll probably include them in a in a sleeper pick because I think the value on them is really good. I just can't latch on to any big wins right now for Dayton. Loyola's a pretty good team. They're not horrible. They're not. This is they've and kinda, a bunch of Central Ohio kids on it. Yeah, too. they've they play some defense. They're getting them at home. It's a ranked team, a few spots above them in the standings. I feel like, would you say 68 and a half? Boy, That's right. Tough to keep them under that, I think. They're averaging in the mid-70s. Mm. Well, six, so, they, so a 69er, huh? Um, it's a freaky Friday. I'm going to get to the over. And I was about you sound confident. I, I was so close to going under, but that's no fun. And if I can just get them to sixty nine, they're averaging mid seventies, like I said. But Loyola's probably giving up less than sixty nine a game. But it, let's go over. It's I'm going to do it. Pretty t- uh, cool story too when it comes to Loyola's head coach and Valentine Denzel Valentine's Billy Ray Valentine. Yeah, it's cool, man. He got this job when he was twenty nine. I mean, just a couple of years ago. So he's really turned things around. And you guys know I like Anthony Grant. So pretty cool head coaching situation, at least for me, when it comes to this game. Loyola, though, I'll tell you this, because you're always going to have your hands full when you're dealing with Dayton and Deron Holmes. He's one of the best players in the conference, if not the best player, if not the best player in that conference. But Loyola, they'll bring out the handcuffs on you. AR, they rank second in the A-10 in opponent field goal percentage at 39%. So I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here. Now, give me the under for this. By the way, do you guys know who Billy Ray Valentine is? Billy Ray Valentine. If I give you a quote, would that help? Probably not, but give it anyway. I'm a karate man. I bruise on the inside. Karate man, I bruise on the inside. From Karate Kid? No, no karate movie. Okay. I don't want to throw you off on that. Think about um, it as we move along. I'm probably not going to get it, so oh, okay. just give me the answer. And who is I he? I figured because it's your dad. It's Eddie Murphy. It's Tra- <laughs> Trading places. Billy Ray Billy Valentine. Shout out to my pops, yeah. man. I'll see him tomorrow. I'll All tell right. him you said what's up. 
Tell Billy Ray I said, hey. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two, we'll do Devin Royal. He's hit double digits in the past two games. We'll do over under nine and a half points versus Michigan this weekend. CB, I like the over. I, I like the over. You know, I mentioned earlier, it seems like his minutes are on the uptick there, and he uh, has to be confident at this point. So it seems like he's going to have more opportunities out there on the floor, and he's been pretty efficient when he's had those uh, these uh, those opportunities this season. So give me the over for the young freshman from Picktown. Uh, I'm going to start calling him Royale with cheese at this point because um, this is not a number he should get because he's averaging like four a game. But you go back to the last couple games, this almost seems like a lock. At home, the way they're playing, they're going to have their full group for this game, CB? Uh, I mean, it's just a great question of yeah. will the migraine issue for Thornton yeah. be resolved by then? But I would probably will. assume. And you want him to get to 10 points? Yeah, man. Just double digits? He's got that, doesn't he? He's gone, what, 13, 14 yeah, last he's, couple? He's Averaging four a game, though? We're asking him then now again be six above hey, that. More up. He's out there on the floor more. Michigan is, I think, the worst they defensive are. team in the conference. Though. That'd be mm-hmm. correct. They're giving up about 80 a game. but we mm. got, And we got to get him 10 of the 80. He's got it. All right. I'll go with you. Over. All right, next up, we'll do the Jackets against the Blackhawks. It's over under five and a half total goals in that game. All right, so I don't have the, the goalie starts. I'm going to assume, it, I'm, I'm assume it's Terry and uh, Mirajic, maybe. These are two of the... I don't have the stats in front of me, but I imagine these are top five goals against teams. Jackets, Hawks, so I'll go over. Over You're absolutely correct. Both okay. both of our club and their club. Where are they? Three and a half, the bottom. Three and a half a game? Yes. Somewhere right in, that, in, right okay. in that window. Right. So I'm going over as well, CB. All right. Next up, we'll do the crew on the road at Minnesota this weekend. Total goals combined between the two teams at two and a half. See, here's the problem. We don't have much evidence to go off of right now. Just, you know, outside and we, of a, And they let us down. And they got the, a dub. They did. But, but they did let us down. One, one goal. <laughs> well, they, uh, there was a PK that was saved yeah. um, that would have put you over. That's right. You're right. Listen, man, these are the champs, okay? So for right now, I'm just going to ride that emotional wave until I get more evidence and more games played. Give me the OVA with this one, CB. Yeah, I like that. I actually think it'll be a competitive game, but I, I'll take the over with you. Over two and a half, you said, total? That's right. All right. I like a little 3-1, 2-2 draw situation. All right. You were kind of leading me into my team total for Ohio State this weekend. You said around 80 points per yeah. game given up by Michigan. We'll do... 75 or excuse me 79 and a half total points for ohio state did you okay so you didn't raise it based on what i said no i oh, had okay. it on the paper oh, okay. 79 okay. and a half all right so ohio state would have to go over 79 and a half i think that's what michigan is giving up they're at home that's a high number mm-hmm. it's still a rivalry game michigan did get them last time in ann arbor when ohio state scored like in the mid 60s so i'm gonna tell you what Ohio State wins the game, but I'm going to take the under on 79 and a half. At this point, you are who you are, and I don't think Michigan is going to flip any type of switch defensively because of the rivalry, and I'm riding with the yeah. Buckeyes and riding this wave. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm going with the over with this as well. Finally, well, it I looks took like the a, under. Yeah. Finally, yeah. it looks like a great weekend, especially Sunday for, for that weather. We'll set the over under for highest temperature of the weekend at 66 and a half. It's too high. It's too high. We're going to get fooled with trickery this weekend. Give me the under. Supposed to be like seventy five on Monday. So I'm saying there's no way that's happening. Uh, all right, I'll take the under because it got us last time. <laughs> I spoke out of school. Before we hit the top of the hour, if you missed our Stephen Means interview or any of our interviews ever, 
You can type in Rothman and Ice wherever you get your podcast. That interview and a lot more will be there waiting for you. Uh, Brownies at the Combine and all that, what are they going to do? It's not like they have a lot of moves to make, but they certainly have to have a decent offseason, and they got to have a decent offseason with one guy in particular. Stefanski talks about him next. Rothman and Ice and the fans. A lot has changed in 30 years, but we're still that old shoe that feels worn in and well-loved. And well, we smell a little, but oof, you've accepted that. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Pella Columbus. Windows and doors that go beyond. Freaking with you guys on a Friday. Yes, sir. Uh, it should be a kind of a semi-freaky offseason for the Browns. And, you know, what are you asking? You're asking Deshaun Watson to finally live up to this massive contract and to make everyone forget about what an almost 40-year-old quarterback was doing for you last year and mm. Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden their offense was cooking and Joku, as you said the other day, was popping. Amari Cooper was playing well. This guy right now is massively overrated, Deshaun Watson. Doesn't mean he can't rescue this thing. He's got the talent to do it. But statistically, this was a mess. You know what's interesting? Are you say he's massively overrated for the right money now. he's being paid? I think everybody's expectation. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I think for some of the Browns fans I've talked to, their expectation level has dropped just because of what he's put out there on tape. Oh, and yeah, and that's maybe we got to the same place going a different road. I, I that's unfortunate, actually, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what they don't want is feeling like, well, now we just have to accept that he is what he is. I'm still in the camp. I'm not in that camp. I, I think he has a second act. And I think there's been a lot here that he, you know, was self-inflicted and certainly injuries that were beyond his control also, and then tried to play through them and wasn't sure. Like, it does feel like kind of this is the year, though, to prove that you're a $230 million man. And I know he can't do it completely by himself, but we ask other quarterbacks to lift teams. And so this is kind of where they are. They can't be who they want to be unless he is that guy. Yeah. I think for an athlete, excuse me, one of the worst things that can happen is when you go down because of injury or suspension or whatever it is, and the guy that plays that exact same position as you steps into your role and plays at a very high level. That's what I'm saying. If you can just Joe get Flacco, the Flacco level. Well, Joe Flacco came in, and this dude ended up winning comeback player of the year. I mean, and I know it didn't end well, but that really doesn't matter to me. That wasn't even supposed to be in the cards for the Browns this year with all the injuries that they had dealt with. So you're right. There is a ridiculous amount of pressure on Deshaun, and it's just a matter of the guy that we saw in Houston. Was that 
legit or was that a flash in the pan for a couple years? I don't think that's the case. I mean, you just go back to his track record in high school and at Clemson and those years right out of the gate. It's in there. It absolutely is in there, in my opinion. He just cannot piece this thing together consistently. And last year, I'll give him a, I'll give him some grace. I mean, the dude was banged up. That was legit. And especially when you have a injury to your throwing shoulder, there's only so much you can do. We've talked that, talked about that a couple times with Cleveland over the last few seasons because Baker dealt with a similar deal. But you're right to highlight the money because that's always going to be at the forefront, I think, of a lot of people's minds. So now it's just time for him to get the ring and offseason healthy, I don't think the playbook's going to be much of a challenge, even though you got a new offensive coordinator now. So how does he handle that dynamic and how does the mesh point between Stefanski and Dorsey, what those go, what those guys want to do? How smooth is that? So I'm still a believer in the talent. I don't know if that and a believer. I, well, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a believer. I'm not that guy, but I don't know if there's a top five guy still in there, but I still believe he has what it takes. When he's right to be a top 10, top 12 guy in the yeah, league. I still believe that. I'm with you on that. Um, I say today he's overrated. He can write that off real quick. Take a Sharpie right through that. And I was I'm, I was very consistent when I was talking about him and the mystery about the injury. I was very consistent about that. That this is a quarterback. He's injured. It's going to affect everything about him. Whether he's releasing, you know, getting rid of the ball too early because he doesn't want to get hit. He had two separate right shoulder injuries. And how many games has he played? A dozen? Like it, To me, he just has to be, if he's healthy, now he has to go. But I, I totally give all these. I mean, it wasn't his fault that they paid him $230 million. I'm not blaming him for that. Now, once you get paid that, you feel like you want to try to live up to that. And... He hasn't, and the injuries are a big part of that, and there was very much a lot of inconsistency, and like I said, in how many games he was actually able to play, he did come back and played in a couple games, missed the last nine, he had the other shoulder injury, so as they get ready now, I'm optimistic that he will be at least in a pretty good spot. Here is Kevin Stefanski updating us on his progress. He's coming along. I know he's going to start throwing uh, here shortly. He's hitting all of, all of his milestones. Ken and I are going to go out and see him next week and spend some time, not talk football, just catch up. Won't see him throw, but just want to check in on him. Uh, but, you know, I text him almost every day, so he, he's in a good place. That's great to hear that they have that type of relationship where they're talking every day. I don't know if I buy that, you know, those three won't talk any football. Because I think you need to get that rolling as soon as possible. Now with Ken Dorsey leaving Buffalo and coming over, um, you know, to Cleveland. So that is great to hear that he's off to a decent start here. But I can't wait to see if we start the year without mm-hmm. Nick Chubb. Does Stefanski and Ken Dorsey, do they want to put more on Deshaun's plate? Or do they feel like they can operate the same style of offense without Nick Chubb. And we don't know what the running back room is going to look like. I think they're going to make some type of move, whether it's in free agency, getting a guy in the draft. I think you have to have some type of insurance outside of Jerome Ford in that building. But do they feel like if they if they get to you know June and July at that point, is there going to be a confidence level that, hey, if we got to start the year without one of the best running backs in the game, that Deshaun can bring home wins with his arm? Does he have to go into games and maybe put it up 40, 45 times? Or does he himself have to help out with the run game? Like That's what I can't wait to see because there's no promise that 
Chubb's going to be back, and if he is back, how close is he going to be uh, to 100%? So two things you said there that actually piqued my interest. One, if I'm a Browns fan, I got no problem if my guy has to throw it 40, 45 times. I'd be thrilled, which tells me he's limitless now, that I don't. we don't have any limitations on his health. So that would actually be good. Um, the other part about it is it kind of feeds into... It's a great question about Chubb and what that would do because all they've been talking about is we're not a system. We got great players. We're going to play through them. What if you don't have one of your greatest? Mm -hmm. Now what do you do? And so that'll be on them. And they're talking about motion and doing different things and not being system focused. Well, that counters everything about not being system focused. Sometimes when you lose your best players, you better have a system. And so if, if Stefanski's strength as the, you know, if Dorsey's strength is coming up with these plays on the napkin when they're talking, and Stefanski's strength is in-game feel, um, I don't how they how they clash. I don't know. It sounds like they are on the same page because if Dorsey sees the offense the way he sees it, let's do a lot of motion. Let's play through our best players. Let's not have a system and. We're smart enough to have a good feel, so all of a sudden we'll have to see where this goes. But it, but as far as personnel, that's that's big for any coach, right? Yeah. You got to have everybody you need, especially the way they've been talking. But I like the fact that, and then the other thing I would say is because you brought up the running, I hope it becomes a whatever it takes offense. I, I hope Deshaun has that attitude. There's no reason to to pen him in. Now, how much you design for him and expose him. Yeah. I think you have to be protective of mm-hmm. this guy. How much you change that. And I think you brought up a good point. How how do those injuries figure into them protecting him? Mm-hmm. Because right now the Bills don't have to protect Josh Allen. He runs over everybody yeah. until he gets that one big damn shoulder injury. And then everyone says, see, you shouldn't have been doing then that. Then you recalibrate. And you, you know, but right now, I mean, they have a little bit of a a limitless feel, but the last thing you need is to go through this again. And I know football's a violent game, and if he needs to get a first down, he should be able to go get it. How much they design for him, I think, will be a little different. They say they have no plans to keep him in the pocket. Okay, more motion, that's fine. You you get the ball to your best players, that's great. Now we have to see it in action. 100%. We've been talking a lot about Ken Dorsey. CB, let's run that second clip from Kev on the hiring of Ken Dorsey. Ken's a guy I've, I've kind of known Ken for a while. We've stayed in touch. Uh, having that background as a quarterback, I, I think you, you can't discount that, how important that is. Uh, and I think in Buffalo, as you as we saw, as uh, you know, as we competed against them and, and as you study them, I mean, very, very explosive uh, in their offense. Uh, did a, a variety of things through the run in the past that are exciting. So there was a lot of people that were, you know, really questioning what that transition was going to be like for Buffalo because you have Josh Allen, one of the most talented guys in the league at that position, but there seemed to be some nice balance, right? A little bit more structure when he took over. Josh Allen's his gunslinger. You know he's going to give you high productivity, but he's also going to give the ball away. That's been his track record. But when you had handed the keys over to Ken Dorsey, you had James Cook starting to pop a little bit more. So I think that can be a good thing as well, is that you have a guy, which Kevin Stefanski just alluded to, that can see the game similar to what Deshaun does because he played that position, but also he knows how to handle a little adversity when it comes to managing quarterbacks in. 
and this guy that is very, very talented, but being smart about what you do with him game in and game out. So I actually do think that's going to be a very good hire there. One of the big questions offensively is how they recover from the loss of Bill Callahan. We talked to Tyvis the other day, and I asked him how important that was, and he said that was a massive loss there, right? His son gets hired over in Tennessee. He would leave Cincinnati. Um, from doing some decent good things on the offensive side of the ball. But here is Coach DeFancy on the loss of Bill Callahan. Coach Callahan is, is a person that, that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Uh, forget on the field. I'll talk about on the field in this, a second, but just off the field. Uh, Co- Coach and I uh, spent a lot of time together. I know what he's about. I know how he coaches. I know how he treats people. Uh, so he was a huge influence on me as a person and as a coach. As a coach, you know, he's a, a great player. His, his really his, his, uh, his history with, with different players and his reputation really speaks for itself, but a uh, very hard worker. Uh, I promise you uh, those those offensive linemen down there in Tennessee will be will be working very hard. So not only are there a massive question mark about Nick Chubb and his availability and how high of a level he can reach early on in the season, but also Bill Callahan, I thought, did a great job of getting guys ready to play when they dealt with a bunch of entries, and he's been touted as one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. So the run game is a massive question, even when you zoom out from Deshaun and his question marks right now. Well, so a couple things there that I don't know the answers to. One, back to Dorsey for a quick second. Is he calling the plays or Stefanski? I have not heard that answer yet. I don't know. It's a good question. So that'll be interesting to see if Kevin wants to give that up. Um, I think right now my guess would be... Dorsey's involved in heavy design and Stefanski's involved heavily in execution. We'll see. The other part is that Callahan, you can't replace that specifically. You can't replace that experience. Right. This guy has been around forever. He went to the Super Bowl with the Raiders, his interim coach with Washington. Um, he's been around forever. Um, but there could be a little bit of a, and by the way, where are they on that search? Is that done? I believe they did make a hire. I'm not did sure. They promote I know they Spears? brought in Deuce Staley no. at running back, yeah. and they brought in a tight end coach, I believe, uh, got Tommy Reese from uh, Bama. He came up. I, I don't know about the offensive line and whether or not that that position so on the staff has been showed up just yet. Yeah. And you brought up a lot about the run game. I Listen, they've got an injured quarterback coming back. Pass protection is going to be big, too, and Callahan was involved heavily in that. Yeah, so there are a lot of question marks. Um, about the Browns, but I do like the fact that Dorsey comes from an offense that they want to push the ball downfield. And if Deshaun is limitless, then good. Yeah. Let him do it and CB, get him involved in RPO. I agree wholeheartedly yeah. with you. CB, I think you said Andy Dickerson is yeah, the he name. came over from Seattle. Came over from Seattle. So there's All the right. new offensive line coach. All right, Brownies. So there you go. Little Browns offseason work for us. We'll come back. Who's going in the pressure cooker for the weekend? Find out next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Bo Bishop is a media legend. We have no idea where the other guys came from. Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Rothman and Ice present Under Pressure. Sponsored by United Dairy Farmers. I love a little pressure cooker on a Friday. 
who's going in. We're going to stir it up. Maddie, I think it'd be easy for me to just go to the combine. You got 300 plus dudes there descending on Indy, kind of working out in front of the reps from every NFL team, or some of them are. And I think that if you go into this weekend, and I believe it's going to be the quarterbacks on Saturday, mm-hmm. I'm going to put it on Michael Penix Jr. I, I feel like certainly his medicals are as important as any prospect of the combine. We know that. So knowing that, the best medicine for the scouts is going to be how to, he impresses and kind of distract him a little bit off the fact that he you know, never played more than seven games during a season at IU. He's going to be 24. He did wind up transferring, starting all 28 at Washington, which is great. And during that span, we know he won the Maxwell Award and threw for just a million yards and a lot of touchdowns. So the key for him will be, and this is where the pressure comes, I mean, depending on whether the doctors flag anything as possibly, and you don't want to hear that word degenerative, we'll see. Like, everything changes for him. Like, if he gets a clean bill of health. All of a sudden now, first round mix again, I think. And so, he certainly had a few bad habits, they pointed out. But man, he was a baller. And they'll get to see how he transfers his weight through that throwing motion on those repaired legs. And I think it's going to be a, a big moment for him. If he, he does something and does it well on Saturday, it certainly will take a lot of heat off going to the draft. That's a really good one. You and I were uh, we were thinking on the same path there because I am going with a quarterback, too, at the Combine, but it's not Michael Penix. It's J.J. McCarthy. I'm going with J.J. McCarthy for a couple reasons here. We just found out, or I just found out this morning, that he's not going to run a 40-time. Not that that's the end-all be-all for the quarterback position, but it wouldn't hurt if you put up a nice 40 time at that spot to show what you can do. He's got some decent tape out there, I think, at the collegiate level in doing so. But why I think the throwing portion of this is going to be so important for J.J. is because he only had 654 pass attempts over the last two years. You look at a guy like Michael Penix, who you just highlighted, that dude had 550 attempts in each of the past two seasons. So he was protected by a good run game. And I think now is your chance, if you're J.J., to really show off your arm strength, your touch, your ability to throw to receivers consistently that you didn't get a chance to throw to all year. Because that's the tough part, I believe, for these quarterbacks is these guys getting in and out of their breaks and the speed of these receivers that they're just not accustomed to being around all the time. So he's been a good job. I think he's done a good job of being a good game manager. It led them to a national championship. Now, there's some complications baked into that. I get it. But for his individual skill set alone, I think this is a big opportunity for himself to maybe catapult past a Michael Penix or a Sam Hartman or a Spencer Rattler. Those guys are in that kind of second crop of quarterbacks in this year's cycle. So I'm going J.J. McCarthy, man, because there's just not a lot of tape out there with him putting it up a lot in Ann Arbor. Yeah, the system didn't didn't affect him that way. Although I think we can all admit, even watching it with Ohio State glasses, is that dude was as accurate as anybody. He really impressed me this season with his accuracy. And then, as much as the forty time, I can't imagine the expectations on the forty time would be out of whack. Where if he was a little slower, they'd be like, "What happened?" You watch the game tape; he gets out of bad situations, and he's a decent runner at times. Um, I think it's a very good choice of what you said because he is a wild card. He is. I think yeah. my Vikes will be interested in him at 11 if they don't do anything. Um, so he's right there. But he seems to put the ball in the hands is what he's done. He made some really, really precision throws this year that I didn't think 
he could make. And he played pretty well in the clutch against Bama. So we'll see. Uh, what in the world is wrong with Texas A&M hoops? I mean, they beat a top-six team in Tennessee a few weeks ago, and I think they must still be celebrating because they followed that gem up with five straight losses. Mm. You do that in early March, that'll put you squarely on the wrong side of the bubble. Uh, they made the tourney last year, so I'm putting it on Buzz Williams, who was the SEC Coach of the Year last year. Well, the buzz is off him and them right now. That's a top 25-looking squad in the preseason. By the way, they did come into Columbus in November and beat Ohio State uh, for whatever that's worth. Buzz made an Elite Eight coaching at Marquette. He made a Sweet 16 at Vatech. Now, five seasons at A&M, and he hasn't made the second round yet. He's going to start getting the Holtman treatment. So I'm going to put it on Buzz and A&M. That's a good one. That's a good one. Buzz might be the best dress coach in college basketball. He's fly out there on the sideline. I do like that. I'm going to college basketball as well. But I'm going to the Big 12, and I'm talking about your Kansas Jayhawks, specifically freshman Johnny Furphy from Australia. They take on Baylor. That's a fun game that's going to go down tomorrow. But because of this McCullough injury, McCullough for them has been an absolute beast. He leads the conference in scoring. They still have Dewan Harris. He'll drop dimes. Hunter Dickens is one of the best scorers in the conference and one of the best rebounders in that conference. But Johnny Furphy... If you were into these NBA mock drafts like I am, his name has continued to rise up and rise up as the days and weeks have gone along. He's a freshman, but it's time to elevate his game. AR, he scored more than 20 points one time this year. He's been a fine player, consistent player, but if Kansas wants to make a deep run this year, I think the young freshman from Australia, Johnny Furphy, is going to have to elevate, and it starts tomorrow against Baylor. First of all, it's a ridiculously good name. Yeah. Johnny Furphy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other problem I have is that if I was born in Melbourne, Australia, I don't think I would leave. I just think it sounds too good. Yeah, I mean, I know he had dreams. to go play basketball Chasing and all that. Dreams, baby. Maybe play in Australia and yeah. do it from there. When Bill Self comes a call, that's that's tempting. You know? Yeah, you're right. Get to America. <laughs> see what it has for you. You can always go back. Allen Fieldhouse. Um, that's a good choice. I'm going to go with uh, your Philadelphia 76ers Ooh, is my last one. What? I think they're going to mess around and play themselves into a play-in tournament. Uh-oh. Like, no Joel Embiid. It's all on Maxi right now, mm-hmm. um, who has been the man. But what about the rest of this team? Harris makes, what, $36 million a year? Kind of expensive for a guy who goes 5-19 from the field. Tobias Harris is who you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Um, the Sixers are 4-7 and seven since the process went down. So without the MVP, they've slipped into the sixth hole in the East, I looked this up. They're twelve and eighteen against five hundred teams or better, so that's not good. So if they're waiting for Joel the process to come back to save them, it might be a little late. So I'll put it on the Sixers. Good call. That's a really good call. Last candidate for me. I think the game of the night in the NBA tonight is going to be the Dallas Mavericks going in to Boston. I highlighted the Mavericks on Tuesday when we did party like a roster because they're rolling. But I'm putting Kyrie Irving. On the pressure list because we saw he had one homecoming just the other day when he came back to Cleveland against the Cavs, which was an amazing game. Max Struess walks it off with a buzzer beater. He got love from that crowd. I don't think that's going to be the case tonight in Boston. You remember how that relationship Mm -hmm. ended. So how does Kyrie handle that? We know Luka's insane with what he does night in and night out. I'm not worried about him, but Kyrie Irving, I'm putting him on the pressure list tonight when they go into Boston and take on those Celtics at 730. Kyrie. The most famous shot in a Cavs game since Jordan over Elo. All right, we're going to come back and talk with Mike Tanier, NFL writer, 
Uh, also the founder of the Two Deep Zone. We'll talk to him about Justin Fields. And what does it mean by doing him right? That's next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. We have so many local shows, I can't fit them in a 10-second promo. So let's just say we're live and local all damn day. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Helping you ace your afternoon. This is Rothman and Ice. All right, it's all combine, all draft at this point. All guesses, smoke screens, all that good stuff to help us wade through it all is our friend Mike Tanier. Founder of the Two Deep Zone, NFL writer, and he's on the Bryant Heating and Cooling Systems Fangus Hotline. Mike, welcome back. Great to be back. Smoke screens, guesses, hangovers. Mm. It really is combine season here in Indianapolis. Let me ask you this. Uh, I know Caleb's saying all the right things he's being trained to say. You know, I, I want to go number one. Whoever picks me, I can't wait. Um, if you were Caleb Williams, where would you want to go realistically? If I'm Caleb Williams, I don't hate the idea of going to the Chicago Bears. Mm-hmm. If you look at what DJ Moore brings to the table as a wide receiver, uh, what some of the investments that they have made on the offensive line, the fact that they can come around again. I forget where they pick again, but is it like 10th, 11th, somewhere in there? I think they, they, had, a, a, they have nine, I think. They have right. nine. You can add a premier wide receiver or a left tackle if you choose to, or you can get another defensive player and improve there. That's not a bad place to go. I think that's a better place overall than the commanders and the Patriots. I, th- I think everybody would want to like go simultaneously to a team that, like, go to the 49ers. That's what everybody would want, right? Uh, I'll go to the 49ers, I'll beat Brock Purdy for the job, and I'll be throwing to Debo and George Kittle. Uh, but that's not realistic. The Bears are a pretty good place to land for him. If you are Mike Tomlin, would you mm-hmm. rather have right now Justin Fields or Kirk Cousins? I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. You can bring Kirk Cousins in right away for a team that is always in the playoff hunt. Get your quarterback situation solved right away. Focus on other areas and say, this is an 11 or 12 win team. This is a team you have to take seriously. Yes, it's a short window before Kirk Cousins you know, does start to fade. Um, but it's a but it's a safe option if you bring in Justin Fields, and I, I don't think that they're really really hot on the Justin Fields uh, uh, sweepstakes for what it's worth. You bring him in, then you're hoping that Arthur Smith schemes up for him. You hope that his passing and his running combine to give you something that he did not give the Chicago Bears. Again, that's Mike Tomlin. If you're the general manager, you're looking at the price differential between these guys. You're saying, I don't know if we can bring in Kirk Cousins and fit him. Maybe we have to go another way. The Bears doing right by Justin Fields. That's interesting. It's not like he's going to be, it's not like they're cutting him. He's not going to be a free agent and then have no place to go if they don't cut him soon enough, like all the spots would be available or unavailable. They'd be trading him. They'd be trading him with a team that wants him. So, what does that mean to you when they said we want to do right by him? If you wait into free agency, you know, Kirk Cousins changes teams, Baker Mayfield changes teams, Ryan Tannehill changes teams. Some of the younger guys, you, you know, you don't think of Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett as starters, but their teams 
teams might invest in them as their bridge starter, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You would even have a situation where, you know, below Justin Fields in the pecking order where, like, the Mac Joneses and Zach Wilsons get traded. If you wait too long, there's no place to go. So going quickly is in the best interest of both the Bears and Justin Fields. You can say, here's your solution right now. Get out of the uh, Baker Mayfield market. Get out of the Kirk Cousins market. Give us, you know, whatever round pick and you get Justin Fields. You do that now, both sides benefit. You wait a couple weeks, that offer might not be on the table. I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers off the board on the NFC side of things. And, Mike, I still know we got to get to the combine draft and free agency and all those things. But just <laughs> looking at the rest of the field in the NFC, if I had you pick one team to ride with that isn't the Niners, who would you feel most confident that could get into the tournament next year and make a lot of noise? It would be the Detroit Lions. You're looking at a team on the rise. You had a team that had a lot of rookie contributors. Uh, as I talked to, I'm trying to get their exact cap number. They have $52 million to spend, which means they can go into free agency and they can spend to add another edge rusher alongside Aiden Hutchinson, another wide receiver, whatever they want. And teams want to play for that team. Teams want to play for Dan Campbell. They want to get on board there in Detroit. They're the team you want to ride with. Eagles are in a state of, let's call it, transition. Cowboys have been in a state of transition for 30 years. Um, the Lions are the team on the rise. They can say this is a team that could, that could challenge the 49ers in the short term. Are you a believer that we've just seen the Texans kind of scratch the surface? Or is there something that you're going to still be in the wait-and-see mode, whether they can kind of pull, pull out what they did this year? I think we've only scratched the surface of C.J. Stroud and what his career and journey is going to be. He's going to be phenomenal. This is a team that still has needs everywhere. Okay, They, they really need have needs along the offensive line. Everywhere on defense, they need to get better. Um, and they do have money to spend in free agency. Uh, they don't have a high draft pick this year, first rounder. Be, uh, oh, wait, they do have one. They have some uh, the Browns first rounder, but they don't have their own. Um, it may be a stutter step before they really achieve their potential. Because of what they already accomplished, you know, getting that playoff win against the Browns, they really hit a high height in their first year. I wouldn't be surprised if they have to take a little step back, and then there's that explosion where you get year three of C.J. Stroud, they've added people, Will Anderson gets better, Tank Dell gets better, and then you see that team that we're expecting to see maybe this year. Let's stay in the AFC South. I want to ask you about Trevor Lawrence. He's a guy that was highly touted, as you know, for a very long time, um, and it seems that people are cooling on him just a bit And when it comes to can he be a top-five guy in the league. How do you view Trevor Lawrence right now? I, I'm, I'm very high on Trevor Lawrence. When I looked at the Jaguars, I looked at his receivers beyond Calvin Ridley, and not a lot of guys were stepping up. They had problems on the offensive line. They had problems finishing out games. And if you want to sit and watch uh, football and be frustrated, watch the Jaguars on a two-minute drill and run out of time at the three-yard line. You know, or, or stall and have to attempt, you know, a 48 yard field goal into the wind when if they had like, you know, on third and one executed properly, not gotten a penalty, et cetera. There was so much of that with the Jaguars and a lot of that reflects on Trevor Lawrence unfairly where he was playing well, but somebody else was making a mistake or he was stuck in third and 15 and the execution was not going to be there for him. I think he's outstanding. I know they made some cho uh, uh, changes in the coaching staff in Jacksonville, was talking to some people out of Jacksonville. They're very high on this new coaching staff, how it's going to be structured under Doug Peterson. Maybe that's going to be the thing that unlocks that next stage for Trevor Lawrence. Mike Tanier with us, NFL writer and founder of Two Deep Zone here on Rothman and Ice. 
So sitting outside the top five this year is certainly not a sweet spot for a team that needs a uh, high-level quarterback prospect, especially if the Bears and Commanders and Patriots kind of stand pat and all three take quarterbacks. So that means that you got to presume that Williams and May and Jaden Daniels will be off the board. But the Giants are being painted as kind of like this desperate quarterback team right now. The injuries (laughs) to Daniel Jones, and they're sitting at number six. And so Mm -hmm. I'm wondering from your, you know, if the Cardinals and Chargers are not going quarterback and the Giants at number six, um, all of a sudden, unless somebody jumps them, how do you feel? Are they desperate enough to take a quarterback at six? I think they are. I think they're signaling, uh, you know, I, I think Joe Sheen said, like, we want we want to add at that position. We're going to need some competition there. The injury to Daniel Jones is a big deal. This is an October injury. Sounds like he's ahead of schedule, but he, he comes back and he's Daniel Jones. You know, he comes back and he's somebody that you had questions about in the first place and has kind of had one pretty good year out of five in the NFL. So they could be a team that tries to trade up. They're going to be nibbling around at the idea of, like, say, the Patriots saying, hey, you know, the, the, the Patriots might just, you know, move down and take Marvin Harrison Jr. They're going to be looking for all those opportunities. If not, you are dipping into the well of the J.J. McCarthy's, the Bo Nixes, you know, maybe the Michael Penixes. That's not ideal. All three of those quarterbacks do have strengths. Uh, they are guys who I think, you know, in the right system, in the right circumstances, they can come around and be NFL starters. But I hate the idea that, like, a couple of years ago, you settle for Daniel Jones, and now you have to come back at six overall, and you wind up getting your fourth-best quarterback. I don't think that's a good process and a good way to do business for the Giants. I want to head out to Denver with you for a quick second and just get your best mm-hmm. guess on, like, where do you think they're headed at the quarterback position? Mike, it feels like Sean Payton's done with Russell Wilson, but I guess that could change uh, at any point in time. Yeah. But your best kind of <laughs> guesstimate, if you will, on what the heck they're going to do at quarterback this offseason. Wilson's going to be cut in the next two weeks. Okay, he's he's gone. He'll be on the free agent market. Then we have to read the tea leaves of Sean Payton. I, I believe the Broncos picked twelfth overall, and that's a place where you could wind up in that in that conversation for your Knicks and McCarthy's. Uh, Sean Payton's a guy who doesn't mind trying to bring in a less talented quarterback and make him a push button guy. You know, make him the manager of the Sean Payton system. That's something he could do. Payton has the cachet right now. He has the power. He has the authority. If he says, you know what, we're going to go and do something outside the box, we're we're going to wait till the third round, or we're going to go get Gardner Minshew for a year, or we're going to be the team that trades for uh, uh, you know Fields, which I don't think will happen. But like he can do things like that, knowing he's not a coach on the hot seat. Okay, and if the team comes to him and say, why did this quarterback solution not work out? He can say we were eating you know forty two million or whatever it is for Russell Wilson this year, and we kind of had to take a mulligan year, and we weren't in a position to draft. He can say those things, sell those things to ownership, sell those things to season ticket holders, and they'll accept it if he takes a year off, so to speak, at quarterback because he's Sean Payton. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like that. Like, oh my God, they're going to go with Mason Rudolph for a year. Like, Where did that idea come from? Because Sean Payton can because he has the power to do so. Be Very interesting, Mike. Good comments. Uh, you make good comments, Mike, just like George Costanza. <laughs> um, thanks for jumping on, man. Enjoy the combine. Uh, my pleasure. Take care and enjoy your weekend. Thanks. Mike Tanier, NFL writer. Founder of the Two Deep Zone on the Brian Heating Cooling Systems Fangus Tylon. I think that's very intriguing about Denver. Yeah. I mean, it's could they trade up? You know, could he have that aggressive move that he's talking about outside the box? You know, it's 
Because you got to think, AR, for for a while now, Sean Payton has had a veteran quarterback. Like, it didn't work out for Russ, but he had Breeze for all those years, and they were incredible with what they threw out there more times than not. Does Sean Payton want to reset the clock and go with the young guy and groom him and develop him? And because Mike's right, it seems like he's got decent runway there. They're paying him a ton of money. He, they want him to be their guy, so there's not a lot of pressure on him to win right now. But what does Sean Payton want? Does he want to get into the free agency pool? Does he want to try to maybe steal Baker Mayfield away from Tampa? Who knows what his plan is, yeah. but I'm with you. I think that's a very, very interesting team when we talk about what they are going to do this offseason. He could, in a weird way, trade down and then try to pick up you know, remember when I said let the draft come to you a little bit? Mm-hmm. Maybe Penix just drops and he gets him in the second round. And who not, do, you know, who do we talk to? I think yeah. it was Jeff Risden said that Penix may go after the third round. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he could that's, find something there late yeah. that makes sense. All right, we'll come back with the Buckeye Bulletin. Uh, one guy, MIA at the combine. Did he have a good reason? We'll find out next. Rothman and Ice in the Fan. The Big Nine was a sad, incomplete place. Enter Ohio State. The rest is history. The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Rothman and Ice present Buckeye Bulletin. Sponsored by Logan AC and Heat Services. Feeling the chill? Call the experts at Logan Services now for hot deals on train furnaces, including 0% APR for 60 months. All right, Buckeye Bulletin time. So, you know, it's not the greatest look for anybody if on paper you don't show up for an interview or something. Or, you know, you have something going on with a boss or, you know, you're interviewing for another job or you're meeting someone and you no-show. Right, that's probably the worst thing you could ever do if you didn't have a valid excuse. So it was floating around the combine today that, oh, well, maybe Marvin Harrison is just letting his tape do all the talking for him. He's just not going to talk to anybody. Mm. Um, his tape is good. Very good. <laughs> it's pretty. And so if he wanted to just mail it in, and what I mean by mailing it in is literally mail it mm-hmm. in and just have him have them watch the tape, he'd be fine. He'd still get drafted where he's going to get drafted. But he didn't go for a scheduled combine interview with a bunch of media. You know, it was going to be the big scrum. Here's Marvin. Get your whatever soundbite you're going to get. Mm. And then he needed a little uh, wingman to kind of come to his defense. And the wingman is Buckeye legend Chris Carter. Not a bad wingman. Chris Carter tweeted out that Harrison was attending to some medical duties. And then he kind of dropped an Aaron Rodgers R E L A X R E L A that he was getting a getting a body scan. It's kind of creepy when Rodgers said that the way he said it. God, went into yeah. like kind of a whisper at the end, a whisper to a scream R E L A X. Yeah, I I don't think I'm concerned about this. Uh, you know, no, it's it's, I know you know some media members over there probably aren't happy because they didn't get a chance to talk to him. But to my knowledge, he went through his measurements, and I saw that come out uh, yesterday. He's six three, two oh nine. So he measures himself against other football players by height. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, 
Here's what I think. I think because of this, because he skipped out on the media availability, he should slide down to 30 now. All the way down Absolutely. to 30 where the Ravens are picking. It shows you know? he can't be counted exactly. on. Exactly. Keep, keep him all the way now, let, that let, Let's at least pick. be honest. It is unusual for somebody to skip their media sessions. Um, and it's not going to hurt his stock. So both things can be true at the same time. And if he had this valid reasoning, then the only people that weren't clued in were the people that didn't need to be really clued in. And that was the media. So... Here he is. He's the best non-quarterback on the board as far as prospects go and positions. So we're all good. If he gets past Arizona, we'll all be surprised. Yeah. Um, there have been rumors that maybe the Patriots, but you know what they're doing at quarterback. Um, it'd be interesting. Or they can auction off that pick if somebody, if he gets past Arizona, and now the whole world wants Harrison, and they're not really equipped to have him, mm-hmm. then they could say, all right, now what do you want? So we'll see. Um, He's going to start the run on wide receivers probably this year, right? Like Marvin, oh, yeah. then it'll be a done. Oh, Michael Neighbors right after him. Sure. Who knows? Yeah, right. who knows what the order is going to be? But I think once his name gets pulled uh, off the board, those teams that are wide receiver needy are going to get antsy, and whether they need to make a move up or not, we shall see. But he's going to start that run. This is this would be a problem or could be a problem if he you know missed these interviews, which it sounds like he did. Um, if he had a bad track record, right? If we heard things here, like, hey, man, this is just not a good dude, not a good teammate. All we've heard over the last two seasons is the complete opposite, that Marvin Harrison Jr. is exactly what you want to be your star wide receiver. And you just hear about the people that go to these practices and the work ethic that he has. So I just don't think this is going to become an issue at all and just hoping that the dude's okay and he can showcase eventually what he really is, which we all know is a uh, a one-of-one one type of talent. Yeah. I kind of like it. It shakes it up a little bit. Mm, shaking the he's, room a little probably bit? The, probably the one guy who could say, let him wait. Hey, there's a bunch of people out here that want to talk to you. It's all right. Let him wait. He's probably the one guy, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, uh-huh. these these interviews and waiting. And I'm not telling anyone you know to be rude. You don't want to do that. And hopefully one of his representatives will get the right story to the media that showed up wanting to talk to him because that is a big part of it. So, I, you know, we, we kid and all that. But I think at the end of the day, you do want to do right by, by people. If you're scheduled to be there, then people are probably entitled to know why you weren't. And if it sounds like he was getting medicals and there was a cross-up in the schedule, then that's all good. Um, it was also all good at the shot last night where the Buckeyes kind of continue their little surprising stay alive, staying alive feel. Uh, uh, exactly. Uh, uh. They ought to be playing that at the shot. And and then uh, you can have uh, our boy Jameson Battle mouth some lyrics to it. I'm not ready to blanking go home. That, uh, and one of my favorites, too, in basketball is when somebody gets real hot and they start cooking and they yell, this is my blank. Not my house, but this is my blank. Like That's one of my favorites in basketball. What is the blank? Well, I'll tell you in about a minute and a half when we go to break. This is my blank? Mm-hmm. That could be anything. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, it's something that's mouthed a lot in basketball. When I tell you, you'll probably yeah. notice it more often than not when a dude starts heating up like he's playing NBA Jam. Boom, uh, shock a lot. Jake Diebler keeping this team alive, and we'll see if they can continue. They do have to get revenge on Michigan. They only put up 65 when they lost to him in Ann Arbor a while back. Here is Jake on, let me see if I find the one I really want, on kind of the what's led CB to the three wins in the four games. We've practiced consistently well. I think that says a lot about, you know, whether it's been the emotional win against Purdue, 
obviously the emotional win against Michigan State and how that game ended, but we have practiced well consistently, and and I think that's the most important thing. Our guys are playing aggressively. I think there's a great deal of belief right now, which, which is important, but I expect us to practice really well leading in into the next one because the focus has been one day at a time. Our leadership has, has been so good during this time period, during this adversity that is, has been hard for all of us. But I, I, I've been so impressed with, with how they've led, and they've led by example in practice. So I anticipate we'll keep that up. So there's a sense that Jake didn't go into this as a, okay, let me just try to get these guys to the finish line whatever way we can. There's a sense that he went in there and said, uh-uh, you're going 35 miles an hour, we're going to go 60. Mm. So if you get left behind, it's going to be very noticeable. And I think that's what he's done. And most of the guys have gotten in the car and they wanted to go. And credit to the guys for adapting to that, right? And, and staying locked in because when you have, you know, the season that they had for the most part, it could be easy to look, hey, man, we got, what, four or five games left? You know, like I got this NIL money. I'm just, you know, going to cash it in and get mine. But that doesn't seem to be the case. And they're stacking good days on top of each other. And that that's a great thing. All right. That's your Buckeye Bolton for today. They got Wolverines on Sunday, 4 o'clock tip on CBS. All right. We will come back. Sports Center update here, top of the hour, and we'll get into our deep dive. Caleb Williams is talking, and is he saying the right things? How has he been coached up at the combine? You'll hear it next. Rothman and Ice on the fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year, given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, no need to look it up. It's real. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Most shows just skim the surface, but Rothman and I feel like the biggest story of the day deserves a closer look. It's time for a deeper dive. I'm freaking out a Friday with you guys here on Rothman and Ice. Get your freak on. Get your freak on. Uh, we are going to be talking with Tommy Luganbill, the recruiting scout analyst, college football dude at ESPN at 233. That'd be good, man. You know, Tom's, he's all over it. Tommy. He's all over it, man. And uh, Caleb Williams did a little speaking today, and it's interesting. I, I feel like he's now been coached up the proper way. This is the way to do it, that it would be exciting to go to the Bears. It'd be exciting to go anywhere. No one's going to give you the honest take, and he probably shouldn't. It wouldn't go well for him. Even Joe Burrow had to navigate his way around the Cincinnati thing. Because deep down, he wasn't sure whether he wanted to go be a Bengal. Wasn't a great track record on quarterbacks and spending around their quarterbacks and ownership and how they treat their families. F minus. I believe at the the time, wasn't he working out with Carson yeah. Palmer's brother, yeah, that's Jordan. Right. So he probably had Carson in his ear, which is, hey, you know, just yeah. watch out for this franchise and this ownership group. So, but I'm an Ohio boy. What what should I say? What I'm, like, uh, I'm just, coming just, home. Yeah. I'm coming home. Like that was what he was thinking. I think he feels or felt at the time that 
the wrong side of the media play on that was that everybody jumped to, he doesn't want to go there. Well, here's the problem with doing that. He never actually said that. So when he was, you know, it's not unsurprising when a prospect comes to the combine is asked about the idea that he didn't want to play for the Bengals who held the number one pick. Um, He refuted it. And he told the media that they ran with a narrative that didn't exist. And so, but I think there was certainly some smoke Mm -hmm. when it came to the connecting those dots. And the other thing, and by the way, I lied. I remember now it came when he talked about having leverage. Mm. That's what did it. Because I remember he gave some interview to a, um, uh, oh, in Fort Worth. He gave some interviews to some Dallas reporter. And and he when he dropped the kind of, they have their process, I have my own process. You're thinking, well, wait a minute. You're a prospect. You have no power in where you get picked. You don't, have no, you, you don't even have any power technically who trades for you unless you back channel that and said, Make it happen. Mm. I got to let's, uh, let's wreck this league type yeah, of thing. Yeah. So there are a lot of things that happen leading up to a draft and a lot of information that gets gathered. And then he kind of walked, you know, I'm focused on football. I want to be the best guy I can be. Um, I'm in this unique spot. You can go watch my film. I don't have to prove myself. All the stuff that we hear that gets kind of Plato factoried out at the combine. But when he did say, I have leverage, they can do their process. I got my own. Mm-hmm. I think that's what lit the fuse. Do you agree with me? No question, yeah. because everybody's like, well, what exactly is that leverage, big dog? Let's see you flex a little power if this is Force really... Force a move. Yeah, if you really <laughs> want to do like the, 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 He didn't throw out the combine either, correct? I don't... I don't think he did. Remember. Yeah, I don't he think he did He didn't need either. to after that need... last year that, right, L- right, right. that he had at LSU. That, that offense was... Whew, that was scary. That was absolutely ridiculous. So anyway, that was his story. Not that dissimilar than what Caleb's found himself in, being in the probable number one pick it's just but not knowing if the team that's there is gonna take it for me i'm not loving the vibes right now Ooh. i'm not loving the vibes what's around wrong Caleb williams it's just from his point of view or he, from the team or from the media's point of view when i'm seeing quotes coming from caleb williams that read not 32 teams can draft me there's only one of me when it comes to not wanting to do all these medical evaluations and for me, it's just like, eh, okay, like, you know, a little diva-ish to me. I didn't love my own thing. during the season where we had the painting of the nails that said blank Utah. Yeah. Like, those type of things are okay. many red flags for me. Like, Old school Matty Ice. Well, I like to hear it a little bit. I can't ignore these things. You're I right. can't ignore these things because, look, if the dude has an ego, I have no issue with an ego. But when you're going through this process, like, just go through the process. Like, keep it as quiet as possible. Do what you got to do. You know in your mind you're probably the number one overall pick. But when you throw things out there like that, that can have some people like me saying, okay, well, you know, what is this dude really about? Like, I'm not going to knock him for, you know, the commercials and all that. So get your money, man. Like, especially now on the collegiate level, that opportunity is presented to these guys. Grab all that stuff that you can. The Dr. Pepper stuff, the Wendy stuff, I'm all in on that. But when it comes to some of these other things, I'm like, eh, you know, a little sounding of the alarm 
in the okay. back of my mind. And there's, look, the tweet I just read, and it comes from our guy, Ari Mayroff, who we have on the show periodically, like one of the couple of the comments just got to say, Caleb Williams, Caleb having a very weird draft process. This guy screams red flags. Yeah. This guy thinks he's so much better than he actually is. So I don't, I'm not the only one. Um, when it comes to not him as a player, but from the neck up, what are we getting? And what are we going to get when things get tough? Because he's had a pretty smooth ride. Now, I know USC season wasn't that great this year, but I'm talking about individual success over the last two to three year window. This dude's been lights out for the most part. Heisman put up good numbers again this year, but you just don't know what this dude is really going to deal with when you know what hits the fan. Uh, okay. I, you and I feel a little differently about this, and that's kind of weird that we have flip flop because I, I think if people were predicting, I would probably be coming out with the, I don't like that part of it. Um, but I look at that. I, I do agree with you. Um, I never liked the the painting on the nails with the with the blank Utah. I think that's. Um, but you and I are. I'm glad you didn't like it either because. Um. I know you don't mind the trash talking and stuff like that. That that That's to me goes a, to a, cl- yeah, a classless thing. Now let's get down to the real question, and I think you actually got there. Should this narrative on his character worry people? And when I mean people, I mean the team that's going to draft him. And I'll go back to the greatest movie ever made that you never watched, Draft Day. Oh, Kidding. Um, the question be- the question becomes CB, and you know this is the tough question at the press conference. The real question is, are his teammates going to his birthday party? That's the real question. And if they are, then as, then none of this worries me. Um, it, there was a PFF article a while back that highlighted some of his leadership qualities. And by the way, he played his butt off in that game that obviously helped Ohio State get into the playoff. You know, the one against Utah that they mm-hmm. lost, that they were leading. And um, there was an article that they interviewed some people that said if – Caleb Williams told 10 people to run through a brick wall. They'd run through it for him. Like there is a, they know he's a great player. What we're getting at is he, a guy that's willing to do what it takes and be a great leader. It is a leadership position. Mm -hmm. When I heard the rumor that he allegedly wanted a piece of ownership of the team that was going to draft him, I thought, okay, that's almost too weird to be true. Like, you think that was just made up? You think somebody just made that up? Or Partial did... ownership in whatever team drafts him? Let's play a little ball. Who are you, Michael Jordan? Come on. Like so I'm with I, you, I'm man. With, so there are a couple things. So the question becomes in a little bit, do those what traits define the elite quarterbacks? And we've seen guys, I think, listen, talent goes without saying. You better have it or you're not surviving. I like competitiveness. I like it more than anything. I, I, the go get it for us guy. I love it. And I've seen it in Burrow. I've seen it in Mahomes. I've seen it in other guys. And I think he has it. I do. I'm not saying he's going to be as talented as those or as good as those guys as a leader. You know, you have to. Um, so I, I think it's right for you to question it. Um, some people would look at the painting of the blank Utah on the nails as. That's awesome. I want that guy to have a killer instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I are borderline, hey, stay focused on the task at hand here. Now, if that motivates him, if that's, by the way, didn't shake hands with his guys. I know you're not or on the opposing team, you know, um, after that game, that's fine. Is that um, after a winner? They won that game? 
or they lost that game because that'll tell me something too. The game you're talking um, about. I I'm going to go on that they lost that game. Okay. Some I don't know the real personal story behind the Utah thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe they just got under his skin for so long that, well, that ain't he didn't respect either. him. Well, I mean, just in a in a in a different way. I I don't know the story. Uh, if I go back to the let's go back to the that game in 2022, they put up 47 on that horrible USC defense. USC, I remember this. USC was up 14-3 after the first quarter, and I think I went to bed. Or were they up even more? No, I think Utah came back. I can't remember. Anyway, Utah wound up just killing him in the fourth quarter. And I think that was the game he didn't shake the hands. Okay. But he already had pain in it. Like, there Blank already him. was hatred. Blank him. So, um, you, bring up a, you bring up a little point about where they are with his attitude and all that. And, you know, I don't think, I don't look at it. I, I'd be speculating way too much to think this is a weakness right now. I'm, I and not, that, I, I'm no. not saying that it is. It's just, like I said, these are many red flags for me right now throughout the process. And when I hear a quote like that, it takes me inside of his personality a little bit and his ego. Play the little hurt a little game, bit. though, right? I mean, you know, get the hammy tweak and all that. Like, I'm, not trying to make this, I'm not trying to make yeah. this about his game because I do yeah. believe in his game like you do. And as far as what his skill set is. Uh, but when you ride these waves, these smooth waves for the majority of your football career and probably your life, because he's probably been the best football player on the field since, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade. What is that like now when you flip the page and you got to deal with these grown men in the NFL? And especially you're going to probably entering into a division that's really hot right now with Detroit and Green Bay. And we'll see what your team does this offseason, especially at quarterback. But those are just the things I'm in wait and see mode with him is being the face of an NFL franchise and the responsibility that comes along with that. Is he ready to handle that? Especially in a city like Chicago, which you know, get a little prickly up there. Yeah, it's not like they've had a million quarterbacks to compare him against either, though. Like, they're just looking for the next great one. And maybe they think they have it in Justin Fields, and they'll surprise us all. It doesn't some feel more like comments? It. Well, here's what I was going to do. I was going to take a break and come back and let you hear from Caleb on why he chose not to throw or go through the medical portion mm. of the NFL Combine. You'll hear it next. Rothman and Ice on the Fan. There's nothing Bo Bishop can't do well except find competent co-hosts. Bishop and Friends. Weekdays from 9 to noon. The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Rockman and Ice present Pre-Snap Reads. Sponsored by the Low T Center. Reinventing men's health care. All right, before we get to Caleb Williams, do a bet 365. Come up, let's cook up with something. I did, go ahead, Maddie. Yeah, I'm going uh, Cavs taking on the Pistons tonight. So I'm going into the double-double land. And I'm looking at Evan Mobley's juice right now at minus 110 on the yes side of things for a double-double. So I want to do that, and I want to hit Donovan Mitchell's over in points at 25 and a half. So I'm going to pair Evan Mobley's double-double juice with Donovan Mitchell's over juice at minus 130. It's at 25 and a half. So I'm going to pair those together together. And roll with the Cavs getting a win against those Detroit Pistons. 
So I was kind of looking at it through some uh, value for the NCAA tournament since I think this is pretty wide open. And with the NCAA tournament, you really only need to get a team to the Final Four then to start hedging. Like, if you can just get them to the Final Four, you feel good about yourself, especially you get some good value. And I think I may have to do it now only because I think I'm going to lose some value depending on what happens here this weekend. Because Marquette right now is like 25-1. to 1. And they're going to be playing at Creighton on Saturday. Now, if I Ooh. if I think Creighton's going to lose, uh, or I think Marquette's going to beat them, then I got to grab Marquette now, because then Marquette's going to take you on UConn at home, and God forbid they beat them, then all of a sudden my value of Marquette just tanks. Yeah, yeah. So here's what I may do: I may cover myself on both. Okay, I'll grab Marquette at twenty five to one right now, and I'll grab Creighton at thirty five to one. So whichever team wins, whichever team wins that, their value is going to go down. And so I think I'm going to grab a couple sleepers. And I don't think, listen, I don't think Michigan State's that good of a team. But there's something about March and maybe they could win a few. They're being offered at 50 to 1 right now. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they're if they an 8 or 9 seed, it's not great value. But what I what I do get out of Marquette and Creighton is a potential top 3, maybe a top 2 seed. If I can get a top 2 seed at 25 to 1, yeah, I, like I, I think that's pretty good. The other team I like is San Diego State at 75 to 1. The fighting Kawhi if, Leonard's? If they're going to be a 4 seed potentially. The other one I mentioned earlier, which is Dayton. Dayton hasn't beaten anybody, but I think they're going to be a top six seed, and right now they're being offered at 100-1 to one oh. to win it all. And remember, all I need to do is get into the Final Four, and then it's Hedge City. There we go, baby. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Sign up at oh.bet365.com. 21 plus only. Must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And May the odds be ever in your favor. All right. Some of the uh, weaknesses that have been thrown around about Caleb Williams is actually somewhat of a positive in that sometimes he's like hero ball mentality and all that. I think that can be coached because, I mean, when you're hero ball and your decision making is a little bit off, I think that could be coached up. That's That could be tough, too, though. Well, it, if the it, it hero be ball t- comes from indecisiveness, yeah. I, I think hero ball could be is hard to coach out of guys because they've done it their whole lives because they've been able to get away with it. Coach so Adam Mahomes a little bit. Sometimes it's hard to tell guys to slow down, right, and and not bring out the driver. You know, let's say a little three iron down the middle of the oh, fairway. It, it's it's harder than you can. Like everybody was talking about Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. Big arm. Can he keep keep it clean throughout games? And he's still having Tony, that issue. Keep it clean. You know? Yep. I listen. I'm I'm with you. And when you're going to be number one, you're going to get picked apart anyway. Absolutely. He did get to the podium at the combine, and he discussed the no throw, no medicals. Yeah. So for the medical stuff, I'll be doing the medical stuff. Just not here in Indy. I'll be doing it at the team interviews. Um, you know, not 32 teams can draft me. Uh, there's only one of me. Um, and so uh, the teams that I go to for my visit, um, you know, those teams will have the, the medical and, and, and that'll be it. Will you go to- On 30-some games, I believe, um, go ahead and go watch real real live ball of me and uh, see how I am as a competitor. Mm-hmm. Fine. I think those are very appropriate answers this day and age. Doing my medicals with the teams. I don't need to kind of go through it all here. And... We'll find out if he becomes a legend. Listen, if he's is he closer to worthy of the pick versus a bust? Yes, that's my opinion. It's not knowing him. If you had to lean one way or the other, 
I think most people might think that he just never gets to the ceiling people have for him. Which is ridiculous. Like, I, I hate that we're putting that on him, that high of a ceiling already. Right, because the name that always pops up is the best guy in the sport right, right now. Like, yeah. like I don't, I don't think that's fair to prospects. And we do it year in and year out. And I get all these NFL draft analysts have to make comps, but that's the pressure that they're already putting on him. And maybe he's going to be up for for the challenge. So, I think it's going to be a pretty safe bet. Do I see Mahomes? I don't see that right now. That may come in time, um, but that's that's a, a large mountain to climb because Mahomes is cut from a different cloth. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's probably closer to trying to think of a comp name. Like, if you get Dak Prescott out of him, are you happy with that? Yeah, I think he's closer to that than Jamarcus Russell. Like, I feel like he's... I agree with you. Like, I I agree. It's weird that people have almost an all-or-nothing feel with him. Like, it is weird. And it's probably because he is going to be the first pick in the draft Mm -hmm. and a lot of overall number ones. I mean, let's... I'll tell you what. I, I got the name for you. I think people think he's going to be more Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston um, was looked at as being a absolute franchise quarterback. And there were red flags about him. That's very true. And so where is he? Technically still around, but not nearly what Mm -hmm. he was picked to be. Yeah, and so that's what I'm saying. We, you and I, that's a great example, and you could throw out many other names, right? Guys that have big picked high that didn't work. Guys that have been picked at the bottom. Look at Brock Purdy that found mm-hmm. himself in a Super Bowl and in an NFC title game. There's so much that goes into it even outside of People, just the individual talent, right? It's just the structure of the franchise. And if he does go to Chicago, there's a chance that his head coach won't be his head coach in year two mm-hmm. because Matt Eberflus, I don't think he's that safe. Up there in Chi Town, where it's like, hey, if he rolls out with Caleb Williams and they end up winning two or three games, they're going to run it back with Matt Eberflus. I don't think that's really what's going to happen up yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, I think he's got a better chance to be good than not. And people are ready to throw away Jared Goff. The Rams certainly decided said, that we can't, we can't win it with you. And that was the right call, no. but that actually worked out for both sides. Turned out great for both. <laughs> it worked out well um, for both sides. Now, whether he becomes. You know, Cam Newton, you know, who certainly has an MVP-type feel but doesn't have the longevity and the team success. But a good career, right? Very good. good a he good career. shoulder stuff, too. My Yeah, he did, right? And my concern is when your defense gave up 35 points a game, are some of those statistics empty calories? That's my concern. Is that part of the equation when it comes to what he did the last two years at USC, specifically this past season. And that's for these GMs and scouts to sift through and all of those things. But that's one thing that's a little alarming to me, is that the numbers are very sexy, but are those numbers the way some of those numbers looked in the second half of the playoff game with the Cowboys in Green Bay where Dak's numbers look like, hey, he had a 400-yard day, but we all watched all year that it's just garbage yards. Like, those are some of the things for me that I'm concerned about. So it's interesting. When I think about Caleb Williams, I don't think about the stats. I, I, for some reason, I just doesn't go to me with stats. It goes to me with playmaking and his ability to be effective, whether he's in the pocket or out. And so, I, I it's interesting. We we have a little different just vision of him. I I guess when I look at him, I think the NFL is looking at him like, wait a minute, the NFL didn't think that Patrick Mahomes was going to be who he was. Can Caleb 
have that similar vibe and that a lot of people think he may not be, but well, he turns out then, to be. AR, you had the, the period of time where Alex Smith was there and Andy mm-hmm. Reid is there. And those are the things that that combination has got us to this point. His God-given talent and just Hall of Fame tight end, Hall of Fame coach, and, and all of those things. It was a perfect storm in Kansas City. I don't see that right now in Chicago. So he's going to have to grind for a bit, and I just I wonder how he's going to react yeah. to that. And Kansas City's proving they can win Super Bowls being one of the worst viewed franchises from inside their own house. That's tremendous to me, of all the teams. And the bottom line, it hasn't affected them at all. Not at all. Back to back, baby. Yeah. Back to back. Insane. Talent wins. Don't need a great cafeteria. It's nice, though. It is nice, but it's not. Have the guys feeling good about coming to work every day. That it doesn't matter. They have proof. And at the end of the day, we know why it doesn't matter. It's because That's of what Andy I'm saying, Reed, right. Bowles, and Travis Kelsey. Maybe they Not everybody sure has that luxury. Maybe they're making sure they just get an A-plus from him. You know? <laughs> his, his opinion is the only one that <laughs> right. matters in the building. <laughs> Those are your pre-snap reads. All right, Tommy Luganville up next, recruiting scout, college football analyst. We'll get his, uh, his take on if Ohio State is truly the national title contender who around them could give them trouble we'll ask him next rothman and ice in the fan if you consider yourself a buckeye fan you've come to the right place this is your heritage sports talker and home of ohio state athletics the fan ohio sports destination every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the lifelock million dollar protection package change the game on identity theft save up to 25 percent your first year at lifelock.com slash aware thoughtfully discussing the merits of home run inns frozen pizza this is rothman and ice all right he's the man who covers college football he's on the sidelines he's doing everything He's from ESPN, our friend Tom Luganbill. Tom, good to have you. How you doing? Good afternoon, guys. I am great. I hope you're you are doing well. Yeah, it's been a fun offseason here in Columbus. Uh, it sounds like they're winning the offseason. But let me, before we get to that, I want to get your take on Saban. Because, listen, I thought he had a decent team coming back this year. Um, I thought with the expanded playoff, okay, you're automatically ticketed in. He didn't have to worry about a, making a Final Four anymore. He could get another bite at the apple. Why, why do you think he bailed? You think because the NIL narrative was being thrown around? What's your thought on it? Well, I, I think there's validity to that narrative, and I don't think it's just the NIL. I think it's the transfer portal. There's the lack of guidelines. There's the lack of guardrails. There's a lack of policing governing uh, a plan to actually execute all of this stuff. You know, I had Alabama. Our crew had them maybe two to three times over the last two to three years, including the. Sugar Bowl against Kansas State. And, and I'll say this. When, when we sat down with him, he was tired. And, and you could tell he wasn't tired from X's and O's. He wasn't tired from uh, spending time with his players. I just think that the landscape of college football has changed so dramatically over the last five years. And at his age, it got to the point where I don't know how much he was enjoying it. And – you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, all of a sudden he lost control, so now he doesn't want to participate anymore. I, I think that's highly unfair to say that. Um, but I just think he was, he was tired 
And once he felt like he wasn't getting the enjoyment out of it that he had had for the previous 17 years, and he's 71 years old and he's got generational wealth, and it's time to go, you know, be Nick Saban, the retired football coach and television broadcaster, and maybe enjoy life a little bit more. Yeah, no doubt. Can't wait to see him. Uh, up there on the stage doing his thing. Tom, good to hear from you. I, I want to ask you about Chip Kelly. Uh, that was a uh, very interesting hire. We know the history that he and Coach Day have, but just your thoughts on that move that he made, one, and the fit here in Columbus, and how you think that works out offensively. Well, you know, clearly there's a lot of like-minded thoughts involved here between the two of them. They go back an awful long way. I think there's an immense level of trust. And, you know, our broadcast crew happened to have the, the Cotton Bowl this year uh, against Missouri and, and visited with Coach Day and, and the staff. And I, I think there's a big part of Coach Day that is really focused on being heavily involved in every facet of the program, which is going to put him in a position where he's going to have to step away from the offense at times. And he's going to have to be in another staff room or another meeting, or he's going to have to be across campus. And to have that trust offensively of knowing he can walk away and maybe address some other things that are really, really important because, you know, head coaches, they are spread thin. And so when you have that trust level, um, which I think they've developed now on the defensive side of the football, but knowing that you've got Chip coming in there uh, and you're you're so like-minded philosophically, you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. You know exactly how the kids are going to be uh, lectured and tutored and taught, and everybody's on the same page, I would imagine it's probably given him a little bit of relief to feel like, okay, if I need to go in another direction, or I need to be over here, or I need to do this on the practice field, I'm good. I don't even give it a second thought. Not to say that he would beforehand, but when you have a history like this with somebody that molded you as a young football coach, you can't help to, but, but feel at ease. Tom Luganville with us from ESPN, college football analyst and reporter. Uh, let me ask you about a team that Ohio State's going to play this year and get your opinion on it because the Ohio State's going to go to Eugene and they get Oregon in mid-October. And they landed, I mean, actually keeping Dan Lanning was amazing. How close was he to the Bama job in your mind? And also the addition of Dylan Gabriel. Is that enough for you to believe that they could take down Ohio State? Well, I, I think he was certainly willing to take a phone call from Alabama. How can you not? But I also think he weighed not only the current state of his own program and what they've developed there at Oregon, but also the ever-evolving landscape of college football and moving into the Big Ten and feeling like they're probably going to be near the top of the pecking order the moment they enter into the conference, um, especially if you look at the conference this past year, you know, you know, outside of two or three teams. And so uh, probably, you know, I look at the Alabama job and I think Kalen DeBoer is a wonderful head football coach, but we've all heard that saying that you don't want to follow the man. You want to follow the man that followed the man. And, and Dan Lanning probably looked at a, a healthier situation currently um, staying in Eugene. I think they did a great job in recruiting, fantastic job in, in the transfer portal. Not only did they get a stopgap player with tremendous experience, uh, in Dylan Gabriel, but then you go out and you get the future and you, and you retain or you reacquire, if you will, Dante Moore from UCLA, who had originally committed to Oregon. And so they put themselves in a position to ease the transition into the Big Ten 
and have a really, really good football team coming back. And when you have an answer at quarterback, you give yourself a chance right off the bat. I think that's the number one thing that Dan Lanning knows. He knows they're going to get better on defense. They've become a national recruiter. But they solidified the quarterback position, which gives you a chance to be successful from jump. So, Tom, it seems like there's a, a lot of opinions out there that Ohio State did a very good job this offseason. I want to zoom out from Columbus and get your take on maybe a program or two that uh, you were impressed with the moves they made, whether it's portal stuff, a coaching hiring, or recruiting class. Like, Who was one of those teams that jumped out to you uh, this offseason? I thought Miami did an exceptional job. Um, and I say that because I feel like in the last two cycles or so, we've been speaking very highly of Miami. And now what they have done in the locker room and the type of personnel they've put together needs to start winning football games at a very, very high level. And I'm expecting to see that this year. I thought they did a nice job in high school recruiting, uh, solidified the quarterback position and, and, and made some inroads uh, in the portal. The defensive hall that they had as a group of true freshmen a year ago that played and made an impact have some really special players led by Ruben Bain. So I, I like where Miami's at. Um, you know, it's interesting because everybody, I think, to some degree kind of felt for Florida State this past fall in terms of what could have been and, and what became. And then you go out and you look at what they do once again in the transfer portal. They have another high-profile high school uh, recruiting cycle under Mike Norvell. And I, I could make the argument, and I, and I, I think it's actually very plain to see when you look at the production versus the names on paper. There is no coach in America – that is successfully hit on more transfer portal players becoming impact guys than Mike Norvell and Florida State staff. When you look at that roster getting so quickly flipped around, wide receiver Johnny Wilson was a transfer, wide receiver Keon Coleman was a transfer, running back Trey Benson was a transfer, Jordan Travis was a transfer, Jared Verse transfer, Braden Fisk transfer. I could go on and on and on. Jaheim Bell at tight end. These were all players that they went out and targeted, brought in, blended them with a couple of nice high school recruiting classes, and quickly flipped around a roster that just three short years ago, everybody's scratching their head going, what in the hell happened to Florida State? So I, I, I think the Seminoles have done a really, really good job blending the portal, high school recruiting, managing the disappointment of what happened to them last fall, and continuing to forge forward. All right, final minute with our friend Tom Luganbill. I realize I'm asking you this question in March, but if uh, you truly believe Ohio State's the, uh, the national title contender, who is their biggest challenger at the end of the year? Is it is it Georgia? Is it Texas? Is it the team I mentioned in Oregon? Is it other? Who who do you who do you think? Uh, I think Georgia's going to be really really good. I think Oregon's going to be good as we discussed. I still expect Alabama. To, to be well-coached and to put together a really good football team under a first-year head coach. Um, I'm expecting LSU to be very good because I think Garrett Nussmeyer is the next in line. He waited. He didn't transfer. Every time he's played, he's played really, really well. I think Brian Kelly has that program in, in great position. And then I, I think from a Big Ten perspective, and, and we've been saying this for two to three years, I said it this last year with the schedule, it's put up or shut up time for Penn State, right? It, it, Drew Aller's got to take that next step. You've got two exceptional running backs. You've got a core defense. Uh, Penn State has to start beating teams in high-profile games to get over that hurdle and make a push in the conference. All right, my man. Always great getting your insight. Be well, and we'll definitely have you back when spring ball hits. Thanks. 
You bet, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Tom Luganville, one of the best. Uh, all everything due to ESPN covering college football. He was on the Brian Heating Coin Systems fan guest hotline. All right, we wrap it up into the weekend with Tell the Truth next. Rothman and Ice in the fan. If you haven't thought about Buckeye football today, I'm sorry to tell you that you're dead. Our condolences. Your home of the Buckeyes. The fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tell the truth with Rothman and Ice. Sponsored by Twin Peaks, home of the 29-degree draft beer. All right, CB, take us home. All right, a lot of guys are contributing pretty well in Ohio State's recent run under Jake Diebler. But my question to you is, tell the truth, which player will be most important if Ohio State Mm. wants to make a run at the NCAA tournament? Ooh, I am going to go with... if we go with the same guy. I'm going to go with Roddy Gale. Because I believe the floors in, of Battle and Thornton are pretty safe. Mm-hmm. And he can always be that guy that takes it to the next level. He had a really good game yesterday. Double-double. Uh, brought down, you know, 10 rebounds. I think he had, what, 15 or 16 points. Like, if we get those consistent efforts yeah. from him, I think you're safe with what Bruce and Jamison are going to give you. So I'm going to go with Roddy. I think it's a great one. Um, so I won't take it. And I'm glad you did. Uh, because it does feel like... His inconsistency, if he can become the guy you're talking about, could really give them a huge lift. He has all the ability and the athletic ability in the world to get to the rack yeah, and man. finish yep. and all that. It's just you scratch your head a little bit, like decision making. Remember when Chris Holdman, I remember that soundbite, you know, months ago when he said, you know, we just got to get Roddy to stop the uh, the careless turnovers. And I remember saying, boy, he didn't just say turnovers. He said careless. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say Felix. Um, just because I think it fits the attitude of the team right now. I think they have a little toughness edge to them now. I don't know where they got it. They got it certainly maybe through the firing and then kind of coming together and saying, how do we want to be remembered? How do we want to remember ourselves in this season? We can either send it down the drain or show some pride here. I think Felix has a lot to do with it because he's a rim protector. And I, I think, you know, he had a couple blocks last night I saw. I know he got dunked on. But I'll tell you what, he is right at the top of this conference in the the SWAT effect. And I haven't seen this in a long time. I covered one of the great shot blockers in Ohio State history in Ken Johnson. Um, Obviously, Odin was a force. Mm -hmm. Uh, Felix is coming into his own right now, and he's making teams think a little bit, which they didn't have before about coming in there. And so I'll say if Felix continues to be that kind of dominant dude, playing defense for Ohio State, that could be a big factor. You can't handle the truth! Alright, if you're not sure what day or what month this is, just check out uh, CBS Sports' John Rothstein's Twitter account X account. He'll tell you what month it is. Uh, but that would be March. You know, it comes with great memories in the basketball game. Mm. My question to you is, tell the truth, what is your favorite March Madness memory? See, there's a lot of them, man. There really is. <laughs> like, there definitely is. Um, Boy. One I really enjoyed, CB, was the walk- John Wooden leading UCLA to all those titles. <laughs> that- 
Bill Walton in the game <laughs> back in the day. I'm going to go with Chris Jenkins winning a natty on a buzzer beater. Like, I thought that was pretty cool, man. I'm obviously not a Villanova fan, but when you can hit a walk-off to win it all, I don't know if it gets much better than that. So, yeah, I'll go with Chris Jenkins for those Wildcats okay. back in the day. Not all that right, way. so just from personal bias, I'm obviously going to go with the Hoosiers in 87. And, you know, being down to Syracuse by 10 with a few minutes to go, they really had no business winning that game against uh, Sherman Douglas and Ronnie Cycli. And Derek Coleman was a freshman. He misses the front end of the one and one. And Keith Smart obviously hits the shot in the Superdome. But I, I, you know, this one, the one that sticks out a lot is obviously the Leitner shot Mm -hmm. against UK back in the early 90s. Because I remember where I was when he hit it. I was visiting a buddy of mine in the biggest little city in the world. What is the biggest little city in the world, you ask? Reno, Nevada. And I was out there. He was working in news, and I was visiting him. And we're in his apartment in 92, and I couldn't believe it. It doesn't... Actually, actually, Grand Hill's pass is almost as good as the shot. It's that cool. And then watching him kind of cry, you know, you know, hands on his head so i hate that it's a duke shot i hate that it's leitner but it just feels like that one's gonna stick out did you say i know my truth i know my truth by the way i'm sure you saw the uh duke basketball twitter account post a congratulations to all the uh home, or in their case their road opponents uh their ticket offices for for duke coming next year because it was the 24 25 acc schedule was sent out uh yesterday so they made sure to congratulate all the other schools that are going to be hosting duke next so year. they're being petty exactly they're right. being petty okay they're leaning into the villain role or they're they're going full heel on us which is on brand for them congratulating them for what exactly the money they're going to make the that, ticket yeah. offices because sure. they're going to pack whatever gyms are in exactly. yeah so on brand for duke maybe they ought to bring their own velvet ropes <laughs> bring your own security that would be a little counterintuitive. We're probably going to get beat on a buzzer beater, so let's bring our own security to help our guys get off the floor. All right, our uh, daily fan poll is sponsored by ER Auto Care Masters of Our Craft. I feel like i got to phrase this a little bit differently because I don't think you'll be exactly on the percentages given in the answer possibilities, but I will lay it out for you. What percentage chance do you give Ohio State men's basketball team to have a, or to make the NCAA tournament? Is it... Not a chance, 25%, 50-50, or 75%. So of those four groups, where is your percentage? Which one is it closest to? What? Go ahead, AR. Well, here, here's the problem. They got to get far enough in the Big Ten tournament that they play somebody that matters. And I'm not saying wins don't matter, but they're not the be-all, end-all. It's not total wins. They go on a little run here, but then eventually lose in the Big Ten tournament. It won't matter. So it's got to be Illinois or Purdue. Yes. So that being said, I mean, they're three and six in quad one right now, and they have only have one quad three, four loss, which I mentioned earlier, and that was in Indiana. So if you, if Michigan's a quad three and Rutgers is a quad two, like I'm, I don't put a lot of hope in that even if they won out in the regular season, it would matter. So, that being said, if they got to beat a Purdue or an Illinois on a neutral court in Indy, which I think will be tough, especially trying to do it against Purdue again, right. then I'm going to put this at about, I'll I'll keep it a little higher than maybe I want to. I'll put that at 10%. I, oh. think, I think they've got a 1 in 10 chance right now of making the tournament. Now, I don't know what's going to happen around them and around them. If they can get on the bubble, then can they get some bubble help? Mm-hmm. 
but they really need, unfortunately, another big boy. I hear you, man. And they just don't have one yet. Yeah. No, that's you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. I'm going to stay in that 25% window, Ooh. CV. Well, just of the yeah. answers, the available answers oh, okay, for the yeah. fan poll. I'm going to go with... You understood the assignment. 25%. I'm not in that fitty-fitty lemon lime Ooh. just yet. Just yet. Rack finished the regular season cleanly. If they beat Michigan and Rutgers... Then I'll probably be in the... You stay where you are? Uh, about 40%. Okay. We'll get closer to that fitty-fitty lemon lime. But right now, I'm going 25%. And the truth shall set you free! Before we leave, if you miss Stephen Means talking all things Buckeye football, Mike Tanier from the Combine talking Combine prospects and NFL offseason storylines. And we just got done talking to Tom Luganbill about the landscape of college football. If you missed any of that, wherever you get your podcast, type in Rothman and Ice, and those interviews and more will be there waiting. And I am looking at a half-empty bottle of Cavatier, which means that we are just about out of time. We are, so I'll take the final 30 seconds to congratulate my friend Clay Hall at Channel 6. I uh, was fortunate enough to work with Clay for uh, over 15 years, and one of us needs to write the tell-all book. I think it would be fun. But I will tell you, and this is um, as personal as it gets, there is nobody, and I mean nobody, before, current, after, that covered Central Ohio sports with the passion and extra-mile attitude than that man. He is salt of the earth. His family is as well. I was fortunate that my ride and I was able to share the screen with him for more than 15 years. I wish him a ton of happiness in his retirement. He deserves it. I know he'll be itching come fall to jump off that couch and go uh, bang out another big story. And he's always welcome, I imagine, there or anywhere in central Ohio. Clayton, you're the man. And I'll talk to you soon. And we will talk to you guys again on Monday. Rothman and Ice and the Fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. The Fan. It's a fan action update. This action update is brought to you by ESPN Bet. ESPN Bet, the official sportsbook of ESPN. What a play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Another win and a cover for Jake Diebler of Buckeye Hoops, baby. Closing as a two-and-a-half point favorite without Bruce Thornton. Ohio State wins by nine. Since Diebler took over, the Buckeyes are three and one straight up and against the spread. Michigan is Sunday. For your ESPN Bet action update, I'm Scotty Vegas. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Casting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 Columbus. The Fan. Good afternoon. I'm Paul Keels. College Football Rules Committee, according to reports, has proposed rules changes for 2024 that would involve helmet communication, the in-game use of tablet technology, and a two-minute warning timeout. These would still need approval, which would be addressed next month. Golf second round of the Cognizant Classic in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Victor Perez and Kevin Yu share the lead at nine-ender. They're stroke better than the rest of the field. Exhibition baseball in Arizona tonight. Cincinnati Reds face the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the Cleveland Guardians take on the L.A. Dodgers. From the NBA, Cleveland Cavaliers in Detroit to meet 
the Pistons. Cavs have dropped two in a row. College basketball number 21, Dayton, tries for their 23rd win of the year playing at Loyola, Chicago tonight. The Jackets today sign forward Max McHugh to a three-year entry-level contract. He's been with London in the Ontario League. This update brought to you by Nature Stone. Schedule your free cost estimate today at naturestone.com. It's not just a floor. Wow, it's Nature Stone. Breaking sports news. When it happens on the fan... Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.